curious about the ongoing nature of the game. Will there be DLC, seasons, downloads? We know there's no microtransactions, but there is the ability to buy a little bit of more content. If you buy the Deluxe Edition, you get the Black Arts Practice Arena. Uh, Not just the Black Arts. Everybody gets access to the Black Arts. But the Black Arts Practice Arena will be included in that. And I'm going to debate with my friend here, 30 and Still Gaming, every Friday. We're going to try and do a show together where we take a topic from the week or a discussion and hash it out. And today's going to be a bit more of a debate format. If you're familiar with what we do, we typically just kind of bat something back and forth. But I wanted to debate with him the live service debate. I'm going to end the previous stream that was about Fable 4 and bring everybody over. And we appreciate everybody who supported that stream or came from the Prowl Raid. Hopefully you come over and join us for this new stream. And make sure you're smashing the like button. Get us that first quick 100 likes. And if you're watching the past broadcast, make sure you're subscribed so you catch the live show that we do all week long as well as on Friday. And Ginger Prime's even in chat. He used to join us on Fridays, but he went and got himself a real jorb, and he can't be here. So I want to frame this in 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 stages, right? <clears throat> I want to I want to I want to frame this in stages. I disagree. So okay. <laughs> oh, I, I thought we were already. I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. You mother. No, uh, that that picture that you just put in the DM does not say 30 NSG on it. So if you guys want to support Mike, check out his channel 30. NSG oh, sign in under the wrong one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Check that out and do that, and uh, that supports him. And we just—he uh, just recently hit a thousand subscribers and is monetized. So congratulations on that. It's a big milestone. Yeah, I appreciate that. Getting that set up and going, but I want to do this in sort of phases. So before we sort of get into why I think they should consider doing live service for a game like this. And Mike's going to be taking up the position that they should not. I'm curious when you look at a game like this in general, do you even think about ongoing content, DLC, additive content? Or are you just like, I don't want any of that. I just want this contained experience, especially with it being open world RPG. The more they've sort of shown of the open world, I'm like, this seems like a pretty big game, pretty substantive lot of potential hours dumped into this game so does that even enter your head at all and if it does how do you how do you sift and categorize what should or shouldn't happen with games like this well in this day and age i i, I i've come to a, i've come to a, a path a crossroad where i don't want live service games but at the same time the more i play live service games i hate games that are not live service all depending on what what they are right so okay like for instance outriders came out and outriders you're like ah you, you get to grind for loot and do a whole bunch of stuff and you're like this is really fun but then there's an ending and the ending for me is once i'm done with that story i'm i'm done with the game i'll put it down right i play games like the old school way where buy a game play a game beat the game move on to the next game but the last seven eight years with destiny and division and warframe and you know just tons and tons of just live service games i i i realized that i didn't like the method that one company was doing as a live service but i do like the continuation of supporting the game in the long run right so like gotham knights i played i liked it but i'm upset because they're not going to support at least i don't think they are they're not going to support that with adding more villains or or not they just you beat it you're done they added a game mode you beat it you're done and you kind of move on and i want live service more so looking at a hogwarts it, it it should be like you look at Skyrim and Skyrim's a great game. Fallout 4 is a great game. 
but there's no live service to that. So this is why people pushed back against Fallout 76 because of the co-op, because of the live service, because of the microtransactions, all this stuff. But people actually like playing Fallout 76 because they constantly upgrade it. They constantly putting more content in there. Uh, so I I want to see. I know I'm supposed to take the spot of not being live service, but I I think Hogwarts should be a live service game. I, I do. I, I feel like there should it. it the world itself feels like it should like we're all living together in that hogwarts world so uh it all depends exactly like obviously if it's like a, a mario game i don't think that needs to be a live service game but if it's a looter exploration game assassin's creed type of thing like constantly making the map bigger putting more missions in there putting dlc stuff in there those type of games to me should be a live service game well, this was supposed to be a debate. I agree. I, That's the end of the I show. Know. No, I'm no, gonna, I, I know. I'll, I'll, well, here's what I'll do then. Because <clears throat> I actually can argue both sides. I can. Because I, I am looking forward to Hogwarts Legacy. And I've looked at this game, and since the beginning, I've sensed that there's more to it than just sort of like a simple Harry Potter simulator. I was like, there, I think this is going to be a pretty deep RPG. They've got the building. Sure. They've got the room of requirements. And then when they showed the open world, I was like, man, I told y'all. I said, I think this game is going to be humongous. And obviously, very quickly, I'll trot out one of my arguments for live service games of this size. I look at games like AC Valhalla and everything they've learned. And if you look at a lot of the criticisms of Assassin's Creed games, it's, it's too bloated. There's so much stuff on the map. Oh, my gosh. Well, a great way to alleviate that would be to create that massive world, and instead of putting everything on there right at the beginning and bloating the map, you would add regions, activities, bosses, experiences, space it out, right? And that gives you that ongoing experience, it turns the game into a hobby, you get to kind of live in that world and be a Viking or whatever. And so I think they learned a lot with that, and I've continued to say, I think that's a great format for action-adventure games that are open-world because so much time and energy is spent building this massive world, and then, what, you get a DLC once, and then that's it. That's the end of it. That seems like a, a massive waste. Uh, because because of the cost of bandwidth, and then they're, they're riding the entire profit margin and budget and reinvestment in the next project on those initial sales. And so I've been continuing to say, you're going to see more and more companies lean toward this and say, this is far more economically sound and better for us, and we get way more capital out of all of our work, right? So that's that's my quick flyover as to why I think we're going to see more live service, why I'm kind of in support of it. Obviously, there are good and bad practices in live service, and I think that's where we need to take our sights and say, don't do these bad practices instead of acting like all live service is bad. <laughs> Go ahead. Would you would you consider? I mean, back in the day, um, Borderlands, Borderlands Two, Borderlands One, Borderlands Two, right? Mm-hmm. Even the rest of them. I mean, they're live service. I mean, they sold DLC. They weren't just given to you, right? So yeah. they kept supporting it. And a lot of people don't have a problem with Borderlands Two or Borderlands One because the game came out, and then literally like a month later, they gave the first DLC, and then the next month they gave the second DLC, right? Like there was quick succession after the game came out where they threw extra content at you for an additional $15 or $20 or whatever it was. And and at back then, I don't remember. Maybe I have goldfish brain, but I I don't remember people having a problem paying for the content like that so close to yep. launch. Where people now, when a game comes out, if they have DLC right after, like, oh, they cut that. 
They cut that from the game, right? And that's considered live service, like what Destiny did, where they put the Dark Below and the House of Wolves and stuff like that to it, right? So Ginger says Borderlands isn't live service. But in the conjuncture of what's happening now in the industry, from where Borderlands was, it is considered live service because they constantly kept iterating it and doing updates and patches and buffs and 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 whatnot to to certain gear right so that would be considered a live service game if you look back at it i i would say live service light because if you remember when borderlands 2 they didn't just give you dlc they also did the digistruct peak and they kept updating it they added all those op levels the op levels completely revamped all of the loot and gave and you could go higher than max level so it was it was more live service light but i think that was the beginning idea of we can keep reinvesting in what's already here and people will keep playing. They keep coming back. Like I think Borderlands 2 is kind of a catalyst of seeing like, oh, wow, people really want to stay here, you know? And then Destiny, I think, was the next big jump in instead of making a linear game where you play it and you're done, you want people to live in the game. And they quickly learned... That the DLC format doesn't really work because it gets burned up too fast. It's just it's 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 like handing a teeny it's like handing a slice of pizza to a starving person. I mean, it's just gonna inhale it and it's gone. It's like oh my gosh, that's not substantive enough because it's been too long since the last content ad. So I do think people look at plans DLC differently than live service because it's like it's the spirit of the game. If the right. game is supposed to deliver. Like if you know if Horizon, I remember this was a controversy with Spider-Man, Marvel Spider-Man on on PlayStation. They had planned DLC, and people were like, "That's probably cut content." And right. It's like no, no, that's not the way development works. That stuff's not ready. They sliced off teams that were probably done. Like if a team's done, like, oh yeah, we're done. We're in we're in QA right now. We're in bug squashing mode. Um, we're just kind of sitting here. Well, start building something. Start building the next thing. Do this, do that. And then, and then now we've got content planned for down the road. I actually think there's three options with Hogwarts Legacy. You could go that model and you could just do DLC and just add on to the experience. Then there's the live service model, which I think would work really well because you're a student. You can have festivals, events, right. winter events, and change the school. And you get to live there and just keep continuing on. But there's also the ability to be like, hey, you're a year five student. They can do another game and make it year six and do another game. I was just going to say seven. that, yeah. That's, yeah a great tri- they, that's, a, that's a great trilogy. But they could also, well, if you also do it that way, though, like how long has this game been in production for, right? I'm, right. I'm assuming like five five years, right? Between mm-hmm. three and five years. So if if we're in year five, let's say it was called Hogwarts Legacy Year 5, and then all of a sudden we're done with whatever the story is, and then all of a sudden now we're waiting, right? You're done with the game. What's the replayability? Are, am I going back to put myself in Slytherin now and then Hufflepuff and then Gryffindor? You know what I mean? Is it really going to change? Again, I don't know yet. Is it going to completely change the aspect of the game playing in Slytherin as a Slytherin or playing as Gryffindor throughout the whole thing. Probably little little changes here, there, dialogue switches here and there. And I'm sure the people that are completionists, because there'll be a, a completion on, on trophies or, or, or uh, you know, the achievement list that'll tell you, play as all all houses through the, through the entire Hogwarts game. I'm sure that'll be a thing. But do you wait three to five years to get year six of Hogwarts 
Legacy Year Six? Do you wait another three to five years to get Hogwarts Legacy? You know, Legacy Seven. You know, Year Seven. I don't know in this day and age with the way games go and people move on. They want you in there. I mean, Todd Howard even said it with Skyrim. He's like, we have no connection with the people that are playing Skyrim. We made the game, we put it out there, and there's still people playing Skyrim 12 years later. But it's yeah. it's a small group, but there's still mm -hmm. people playing it, and there's always someone new playing in it. They want to connect them where they'll always be able to insert something into that game, right? So we'll have another debate about Starfield in a couple weeks or so. But like Hogwarts, mm -hmm. I feel like it's, I feel like you saying that going to year six, year seven... I believe in the live service thing. This first year, you go through the game, you play the game, you complete this, you complete the story, and then mm -hmm. for the entire rest of this year, right until next year comes out for the anniversary of the first year when it's year two, then all of a sudden they start releasing content of your school a student of year six now, and you and you push through. That would be interesting if they did something along the lines of live service like that. I I know people like playing like God of War, playing the game, beat the game, put it down, and say, oh, I can't wait for the next God of War. Certain games, I think you can wait for. I think this game is a missed opportunity as far as a live service game, as far as playing with you or playing with my friends. And it doesn't have to be a MMO where it's, you know, 16, 30, 100 people on the screen. Right. But it would be pretty cool if you could walk around Hogwarts as the hub, like in Division or the, the Tower in Destiny, and you're walking around inside the castle and you see all your buddies, and then all of a sudden when you walk outside that castle you're on your own little instance mission and you go into the world of, you know what I mean? And you, and you mm -hmm. can team up with co-op. I think that's something that would have been great for this. And who's to say they, they can't add it later, but as of right now, they're saying that it's just, it's a single player, yeah, single player experience. Well, we want chat to weigh in here, guys. There's a poll at the top of the chat. What do you want the content model to be for Hogwarts legacy? You want Hogwarts legacy DLC live service ongoing, or just do sequels. Those are your three options. We're, we're, we're definitely reading chat and pulling your comments in, so continue adding to the discussion and make sure you're smashing that like button. We're having a bit of a debate here about whether or not Hogwarts Legacy, Legacy should do live service. Uh, and something really interesting just, just kind of occurred to me is that you'd have to do, if you do DLC... Or you do sequels. I I don't want to create a false dichotomy, but I really do feel like you'd almost have to do this. You'd have to take us out away from the school. Because who's going to buy a sequel and you're just at Hogwarts again and you're a higher level student? People would be like, "What? I don't understand. I already, I already had all those experiences in the school. I've already seen all the rooms. They'd have to take you to another school. I know there's other wizarding schools in the universe. I, I don't know. People keep buying Madden football and FIFA every year and all they do is change the roster. So <laughs> I think that's a little different. It's it's definitely funny, but I think that's a little bit different. And I and I also think that's that's so tied to your experience in this. Are people going to want to go to other wizarding schools like Hogwarts as a name? Like it it trends on Twitter. Like people right. want to go to the school of Hogwarts. That's a thing. Like the school itself is a character in the books and the movies you want to go there and have that experience i don't know if it have a lot of draw if in a dlc or in a sequel you left hogwarts behind and went somewhere else i feel like that would almost be less exciting it, uh, what i don't i i, I want to be in hogwarts that's that's where well all my memories uh, are 
Yeah, but obviously, if you could always continue on with, like, in year six, you're, of course, you're still in Hogwarts. It's not like they're making the expansion to Hogwarts. It's a castle with hundreds of rooms, right? But the outside of Hogwarts, of, of the land, they could add a whole different dungeon or different dungeon. And obviously, in year six and year seven, you're going to have different stories telling the story, just like the movies, right? You would You would continue on with your story. And who knows? I mean, it's magic, right? Who's to say that you can't? At the end of that last trailer they showed, you get sucked into a book, right? In that in that uh, mm-hmm. the trailer they showed like a month ago. Who's to say when you get sucked into the book, you're not in a completely different world, right? Inside this book, right? I mean, you can use your imagination to whatever they want to make expansions or dungeons or whatever they want. So I don't know. I, I feel like they could they could do it either way. They could just give you D- DLCs to add to it, like the basically what they're doing with the uh, dark arts arena right where you pay extra ten dollars and all of a sudden this dark arts opens up for you so you can use your stuff they could add dlc where all of a sudden uh you know a forest opens up and there's more stuff to do in the forest there's different dungeons that open up in the forest that could be a constant thing real quick i know was it rising rising alex hd says uh why do i want to wait two years right for for it where they could continue to just work on the game well you gotta wait two years anyway it's not like they're gonna make the game and all of a sudden they're not i mean if they're working on dlc or if they're working on the next hogwarts game you still have to wait the two years three it takes three to five years to make a game like this size so you're gonna be waiting anyway so if you're waiting why not have a small team make you know improvements as the games you're playing for two years instead of playing mm-hmm. the game for one month put it down for three years and then play the sequel you could literally just keep it going there's there's difference between like what the, what i think this game should be obviously this is my opinion right and what like jedi fallen order was to compare to jedi survivor right mm-hmm. i feel like that shouldn't be a live service game okay because of it, it's it's more of a single story and it's not an open world you're yes there's areas in that that you're that are opened up that you can you know cruise and explore but it's not right. an open world game when you play an open world game you have to get something like because the driving force of this is you're playing the game you're enjoying it but then when you know you're you're close to the end of the game you're like well i'm almost done i, I kind of don't want to finish it because i just want to kind of explore and see what's in this mm-hmm. open world right because if it's if it's done well you're going to play through the main story they're going to give you a quest you're going to take that quest you're going to go out into the forest that forest is going to have a little side quest and they're going to keep you sidetracked a little bit but if you just do the main line you're, you're playing i think they what they came out and said 20 25 hours or whatever it is 20 20 30 hours of of, uh, of story mm-hmm. and then if you are a completionist it's gonna be like 60 hours right if, if you're a person that mainlines that game you're done with it and then you're gonna put it down because you're like oh that's a good that's a really good game i really liked the, my, my 20 25 hours in the game but now if you put live service in there and if you put co-op in there where all of a sudden i can go on a mission with my buddy now you can just explore the world with somebody and just that keeps you in that game that much longer it keeps you going into that world much longer because it's not lonely like no man's sky was fun still is but it's a lot better with a friend it's a lot better going around with somebody and exploring the empty vast open world that you're walking around with a buddy than it is so i would assume that hogwarts legacy would be just as good you're you're competing like you're like i don't know you're racing on your broomsticks you're you're fighting guys in the forest you're you're taming animals you're comparing what you've collected what i've collected in the room of redemption right or room, room of requirement room, room of requirement, requirement room of redemption whatever uh room of requirement very um, different very different game now i had covid my brain's not always there <laughs> so uh yeah so like the 
I, I feel like this game is missing is missing the the live service. I think people are going to love it. Don't get me wrong. I'm going to love it. But I think it should still be a live service game. Well, I, bef- before I make my case on, I'm, I'm going to argue why it shouldn't. I'm going to take up. I'm going to take up for for DLC and sequel format for those in chat that want to hear that argued for. But there are people in chat, uh, Marvalo Ravenclaw saying co-op, yes, and others saying, man, I would love to see co-op. Why do you think this is such a sticking point for some games? Like we we just recently debated Redfall's co-op format being kind of odd. They're billing it as a co-op game and your progress doesn't sink. So like only the host gets progress in the story. I mean your your character progresses and everything. But it seems like so many people look at games now and expect or hope for co-op more than they used to i always used to feel kind of like the odd man out i'd be like oh man why is there not co-op in this game that was one of the first things i would do go to the game store flip the jewel case around and i would look for that one to two or one to four co-op instead of just multiplayer and there were a lot of games that did this and they wouldn't give you true co-op far cry three i think it was you could play like missions co-op but that wasn't the full game and then there was like I remember Rage did that you could like play these little one-off silly missions with a car and it had nothing to do with the main game I I look at a game like this and the whole time they're showing the footage not not every single time but a lot of the times you see like another student or like another companion with you I think man I, I would play I would absolutely play the snot out of this game with my wife you know if i'm if i'm running around as a slytherin which i'm i'm wearing a slytherin shirt today uh that i got that just recently got sent to me so i wore it on purpose only mike can see the full shirt though so yeah i'm wearing house goonies that's what i'm wearing he's wearing goonies i I, i'd be running around slytherin my wife i don't know what she'd end up as you know she'd probably end up as like a ravenclaw or something but you know playing together and she'd go back to her room and I'd go to my room and we'd be investing in all this stuff right and I could come into her instance and see all this she'd come into mine when they started showing that customization and how you could scale and make a tree enormous or small and like having these pets and all these different things I'm like man oh man it just feels like this would be ripe to play with other people now that's not me necessarily arguing for live service but I think everything I obviously just outlined sounds like a live service game like you're coming together you're playing you have your own little place and they can come see it but at the very least man I would love to see a a multiplayer co-op or like companion update I I don't think that's a deal breaker for people but do you think that's going to grow as a deal breaker or something that people really want to see in games because it just it it seems like why wouldn't you why wouldn't I be able to play this game with other people I understand in a game like Jedi Survivor where it's a main character but when I'm creating the character you're creating the character that lack of social aspect I just wonder if if there's going to be a generational shift where more and more people are going to be like why can I not play with my friends well I mean look at look at Fallout Right. For years and years, people played Fallout and were like, man, I wish I could play co-op Like, because you had the companion and you're like, man, I wish I could play with one other person like my brother or my sister or my friend. And then Fallout 4 came out and they still didn't do it. And then all of a sudden they announced Fallout 76 and they went too far. They, they said oh, you could play with a whole bunch of people. They're like, whoa, well, well, we were just asking for co-op. Right. Like that's what they were. <laughs> so but that's that's what happened. They, they we it's a game that you look at and you. You're enjoying it so much that you want to have a shared experience with 
another person, right? Especially if you're in the house with your brother or sister and you're playing the game. You're like, oh, man, that looks really cool. And you're like, yeah, too bad you can't play it single player. You have to watch me play it the entire time, right? So there's there's certain games out there that just have this, like, you fall in love with. Skyrim. Skyrim, people would love to play co-op, right? So much so that they literally made a co-op mop, uh, mo- uh, mod to, yeah. to play in, in Skyrim, right? So th- these are the type of things, like, I think you're going to get the same feeling with Hogwarts Legacy as you get with Starfield. Like, Starfield's going to feel like this vast open world. Hogwarts is going to feel like this vast open world. You're going to love it. You're going to love both things. But at some point, you're going to be like, man, this game's almost perfect. It just needs co-op, right? That's what you're going to say because you are you want to see other people walking around. Mm-hmm. You're, you're only going to get so much when you walk up to a student in Hogwarts Legacy and they have this same dialogue like, Hey, that's my wand or something, whatever generic thing they're going to say. And then you go up to them the hundredth time and they're going to say the exact same thing again, right? There's no interaction. It's the same thing. It's yeah, like yeah, yeah. 10, 10, 10 lines of dialogue or whatever it is. And, and then you go to the next guy and then you look at that person and say, oh, they don't, they don't do anything. Like that type of missing thing is you want to play with somebody and, yeah. and, and experience the experience as you're playing through this open world, vast area. I think A9S9 makes a great point. He says, I feel like multiplayer is an expectation because of the content the Harry Potter stories portrayed. It was a trio of friends taking on all odds in the wizarding world. Beyond that, you're in a school. There's yeah. people everywhere. It's You're in a social atmosphere. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not being critical of the game. I'm not. I, I'm excited about the game. I think it looks awesome. Sure. But it's just another yeah. one of those times where I'm like, oh my gosh, you're you guys are this close. Like, this game could have been so much more with that like I, I want to be able and I'm this is selfish this is me arguing for my own desires and what I want to see in a game but it's like give me a game I can I can play on the couch with my wife man like, we're looking at Diablo 4 thinking oh what a blast that's going to be because we loved playing Diablo 3 and we loved playing Borderlands you know I'm, I'm actually looking at Redfall and thinking oh we could probably have a lot of fun with that and I look at Hogwarts Legacy and I'm like jeez just a mountain of potential of time for me and others that I don't think is going to be there. It's going to feel like a missed opportunity at, at some level. Yeah, I, I, I think the game could be more like, um, I hate to say it. I mean, it is a WB game, but like Gotham Knights is okay by yourself, mm-hmm. but it's a blast to play with somebody else when you're in the city just mm-hmm. going around, right? And it's dropping drop out so they can go back to their world and be their wizard you know what i mean type of thing like if, mm-hmm. if it was in hogwarts legacy where you're your wizard and all of a sudden you're like hey i found this dungeon you want to you want to join me sure boom come in and i know someone said well you have to balance it for solo play and, and and whatnot maybe in the beginning they had an idea of making it co-op and then they went you know what we don't have time for this let's just make it focus on solo and perhaps down the line for you know Hogwarts Legacy 2 or 3, they could add it in as something down the line, but I don't know. I just feel like this game just shouts out, like they said in chat. I mean, the movie was based on the friendship of people doing a story, and in this, they're giving you friends. They're giving you companions to go on an adventure with, but an NPC is different than, than when you play with an actual person, so... Yeah, I like what I'm seeing in chat. I got uh, Mantis. Mantis is on the same wavelength as Creature saying, like, look at Red Dead Online roleplay. And then and then Creature's like, I could see Hogwarts Online end up coming yeah, out. Sure. You yeah. have you have the 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 world. You have the school. You have all of that stuff. Just put it together. Now there's other suggestions in chat that I also think could work. Just 
make it like Far Cry, like uh, Vigil is saying, and Rams is kind of saying the same thing, just do a two-player co-op thing where like, okay, you can come into my world and help me out, and I can see your character. I'm like, hey, cool outfit. Let's go do some fighting. And then, oh, before we go, though, check out my room of requirement. Check out all the stuff that I've done. And And if I come and join your game, same deal, right? Like, I'm coming into your world just to kind of help out, have fun, see your stuff. I would get maybe some XP. I I would actually be okay with this because somebody would be like, well, isn't that what Redfall's doing? You know, the the progress doesn't save. Why are you against that? I think Hogwarts and Redfall are dramatically different games. Like, I wouldn't need my progress to save. Like, oh, if I come and help you with a mission, I... I would want that. I'd be like, oh, it'd be cool if I got credit for that because if not, it kind of defeats the purpose of like a long play session. It's like, well, I'm just kind of running around with you as an NPC. But at the very least, you could see my stuff. I could see yours. We could hang out for a little bit and then maybe go back to playing by ourselves because we want to make progress on stuff. But I I don't know. More and more when you see games add that on, it's like, oh yeah, you can play together it does start to, to kind of ask that question as to why don't more games do this? I know it complicates dev. I mean, they got to create netcode oh, sure. and the backbone yeah. and all that to make sure you can connect together. I mean, they could do like what a Ghost of Tsushima did. They added a, a multiplayer later, you know, on mm-hmm. uh, it's a single player game and then they added something. They they could potentially down the road. As of right now, this game stands alone as a single player game. Mm-hmm. And someone's saying in chat, we're asking for an MMO. I'm not asking for an MMO. I'm asking for a co-op game, which is a completely different thing than an MMO. Right, just a uh, one other person that's coming along with me. Instead of using the companion, I use a buddy to come into the game instead. Right, like that's that's not asking for like this groundbreaking thing in in certain games. Now, obviously, they didn't want to make this game into a co-op. At least that what we know. They just wanted to make this game for what it is—a story-driven single player of the, in the in the, in this realm of of Harry Potter, in this world of Harry Potter. And I think it's going to be like I said. I think it's going to be phenomenal. I do. I think it's gonna be phenomenal. I just think once you're going through, you're you're gonna be like 20 hours in, and you're gonna be like, man, this would have been just perfect if it was just one other person that could play with me. Yeah, Miyako's saying that's a lot of that is tied to live service models. I don't disagree, and obviously my own personal preference is live service. I think that would be perfect for this game because you would just continue living in Hogwarts, like you wouldn't need to suddenly create a new school or or a whole new storyline you would add on to the storyline that I've built for myself but I'm going to attempt to argue against live service here okay I'm going to look at the books and the movies and say that really really good strong contained stories are part of the fabric of what makes Harry Potter great so I could see somebody argue and say listen three separate games with really strong story maybe a DLC here and there is going to be significantly better to sort of honor what makes Harry Potter so great and what makes the Wizarding World so great as opposed to cheapening that and have it being this long, drawn-out, diluted experience. Because that's commonly what people say against live services. You're going to dilute and overstretch the content. I don't want that, right? So if if I'm trying to make my best argument against live service in, in Hogwarts Legacy, that's what I would say. Now, what that means is I've got then questions how do you transmit sort of my character from game one to game two? Do I get to bring them with me? My knowledge, my spells, ETC, am I starting over fresh? Now, there's a lot of ways you could do this, right? I'm not a super Harry Potter nerd, but I know there's these other schools. What if you went to other schools and all the stuff you know 
isn't that helpful because you've got new enemies to fight, new stories to discover, new right. spells to discover, a whole new suite of things you have to learn, and maybe even some of the stuff you already know now needs to be advanced, enhanced, and made stronger because you're now a, a, a higher level student. If, if if you're looking at that model and you're thinking, oh, I prefer live service, what do you like or dislike about a, a trilogy model instead that would w- that would really let them focus on story? Because I know you're big on story. So you on story, yeah. You, you'd probably get more substantive, meaningful story. I mean, look at the voice actors they've got. They got Simon Pegg for yep. this game. So they're they're clearly putting a lot of work into the voice acting if they're if they're nailing, you know, some some big names like that. If you looked at that format versus live service, where do you see it going going well or going poorly? Oh, I would compare it to Mass Effect then. Like Mass Effect, you could play Mass Effect 1 and then you could play Mass Effect 2 separately or you could play Mass Effect 1, take your character from Mass Effect 1 and import it into Mass Effect 2 so you have that connection with your character that you put that time in, right? So I always say that I respect the player's time. So if if the the calling of this game is Hogwarts Legacy 1, 2, and 3, which is years 5, 6, and 7. You're the same character. I would hope that if it stays single player, that they would do it something along the lines of Mass Effect, where if someone's jumping in on Hogwarts 2, they can just play the standalone story of Hogwarts 2 as is. But if you want to dive in more and have more story and have more uh, connections with the characters you've met, because obviously everyone that you met in Hog- Hogwarts Legacy 1 would now be in the same year as you, so you would know them more. You would you would have more relationship with them as as far as your character goes which would might kind of tear you a little bit differently if you just started in six you would meet mm-hmm. new people but you would still have the connections to your old friends or whatnot so i think they could add as far as like the spells i think it's interesting that you say they go to the the uh the other like um you know what's it called the american magistry i think it is uh is, is it a chat Fact check me. Chat's going to have to help you with that. I I can't help you. The the American Majesty or something. Uh, So you could go to that school. Maybe you get transferred or maybe you're on a mission for uh, the headmaster or something. And then you bring the spells that you know. So you have something familiar. And then in this story, you're learning new spells from from the new school that you're in. And that's just a continuation from you are. So that's how they could do it that way as far as they would do it like a Mass Effect where you play one, take your character, move it to two, and so on. Yeah, I, I, I think that that might be a better format. Like, I, I think I could argue for both sides because I really think they could, they could nail the story in this first one, make it really impactful and meaningful, which would then make you almost look forward to okay, what's going to happen in the next year? Almost how you did with the books, and those of us that you know watch the movies. I do plan on reading the books. I'm, I'm going to read them to my kids. We have to finish Redwall first. We're in like book sixteen in Redwall, so. You know, I, I like to expose my kids to good literature, and I, you know, I was like, I just don't know if these are going to be too scary, so I was kind of waiting. And I know I'm going to read these books. And I'm probably going to really, really like them. But I do think that is part of the appeal is making it story centric. And I just think when you gamify everything, there's a real risk in losing what makes it special. And I think that's always going to be something that is risky when you take a well-known franchise. And you want to turn it into a video game. We saw this, right. you and I, growing up with games like Superman, right, on the Nintendo 64. You take a well-known icon and then you just sort of gamify it and it turns into it turns into crap, right? Yeah, and crap. so I would think this would be almost like a backstop of protection from 
it being oh too gamified or being the all that you know the this is just, this just feels too much like a video game I'm not I don't really feel like I'm in a Harry Potter or a Hogwarts story so I do think the you know the the, the, the multi game format would work now in the realm of DLC if we imagine that Hogwarts Legacy is a one off game and they just do DLC I think they could do the same thing they could do a this DLC is taking you into your next year. So then you're staying in the game. Now, this would be low-key live service. It wouldn't necessarily feel like live service, but this would be low-key live service because you would just stay at Hogwarts. Do you what would what do you think that would feel like? Would that would would that be something that you would say, okay, that might work instead of doing multiple games, just do DLCs that take you into year six and seven? Yeah, no, that's what I was saying a little bit earlier. I was like, I I would kind of like the live service aspect of it where after this first year like actual year like it comes out february 10th or 7th for people that pre-order and year one goes all the way until the anniversary of 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 february 7th or 10th of 2024 and then all of a sudden they're like hey here's here's the next here's your next adventure it's you're now in year six right and it's the expansion they they drop in and then they you're paying for the story now obviously it's the same map right it's 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 changed goes to the same seasons or whatnot but from a live service standpoint they could add different bad guys into the realm maybe the story that's in year six is now instead of the uh the goblins as the bad guys all of a sudden they add a whole new thing so you you do a patch for your game now you go back into hogwarts there's a new there's a new teacher that comes in it doesn't doesn't seem too right seems like a bad guy all of a sudden a new kid you meet is 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 a, a antagonist for your school that you didn't know, meet before? Who knows? They're, they could add so many things and just keep it going. So year six, it's a live service aspect of it, and then year seven's a live aspect of it. That could be interesting. I mean, that would almost be like the Destiny model where the story is progressing. And I know, I, I I hate to bring up Destiny because of it's a looter. This is not a looter. This is a story driven game. So it's a completely yeah. different beast. Uh, that's a looter with a crappy story. Right, and this is a you would hope is a good story with no looting. You know, you're just getting your wand or magic and different wands or whatever, but it's not like a looter, you're not getting armor and you know, that type of stuff. So I think that would be an excellent model the way you described it as far as year six comes and they give you a DLC and it instead of buying a separate game, you're just continuing on. You buy one game, but then you get the DLC. And if you don't want to buy the DLC or do the season pass, then you're just stuck in year five of your Hogwarts legacy uh, adventure. Yeah, yeah. I, one of the things being said in chat, uh, you know, demonic deadbeats being hyperbolic to drive a point. I, the, the point that he's trying to drive is obviously that it'll get monetized, right? If they go live service, thirty dollars for hundred spells every time they launch a new game or whatever. And they've they've said they're not going to do microtransactions. There's not a single microtransaction in the game except for the little one right at the very beginning, where if you buy the deluxe edition, yeah, it's a microtransaction. Get, you get the dark arts practice arena. I guess I said black arts at the beginning of the broadcast. So all yeah, of the Harry Potter, all the Harry Potter yeah. nerds are going to get me for that one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'm just mastering the arts. art of engagement. Like make stupid yeah. mistakes at the very beginning, and all the Harry Potter guys. It's like it's the dark arts, dude. Yeah. Um, Anyway, I'm a, I'm a Harry Otter fan, okay? I love Harry Otter, all right? Don't tell me how to say his name. <laughs> the P is silent. <laughs> but I, I actually don't think that's a good argument against live service. I think that's dealing in the theater of the absurd and exaggeration, and we don't see evidence of that in the market for successful live service model. 
successful live service models aren't doing that. They're not. Because right. if you want to have successful live service model, those are all of the things that drive people away. Like, Destiny 2 took years to completely eradicate all of the things from their microtransaction store that people didn't like. I actually think, as much as I you know, don't like talking about that game or that company, I actually think that's one of the archetypal like micro stores. I think they do the right things. No randomness, direct purchase. You know what's earnable and what's not. They let you know ahead of time. Like they let the player be super informed and it's it's very I think it's a very respectful way to do it. So that's a live service game right there that I think gets micros right. And I think other right. games are looking to that game as like if you want to do ongoing they're doing it right do what they're doing well that should give you some sense of confidence that right they're impacting the market with their micro store and then if you look at other ongoing live service games like elder scrolls online and and diablo 3 and even no man's sky you're not automatically falling into some ditch of over monetized diluted crap content the games that make it and are successful don't do that right uh, I, 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 who said it and said, it? I'm old school. I play games once, once I'm done, uh, Alan, I, I'm the same way. I love playing story games and then putting them down. Right. But there's sometimes you come across a game that God, I, I played mass effect two. I've lost count how many times I've played it complete from beginning to end. Right. Cause I love the way that you could interact with your, your companions in the game and get to know each one and, and different, have different relationships with each one. Right. Mm-hmm. That, that to me is very interesting. But at the end of mass effect two, I was like, man, I really wish there was more to this game where I could continue playing the same aspect. Obviously, it's a single-player game. It's In my book, it's one of the best games ever created. I love Mass Effect 2. I feel like that's what this game is. I feel like this game is sort of like the Skyrim, like the Red Dead Redemption, like the Mass Effect 2 type of thing where you're going to have relationships, not in per se of like sexual, but you're going to have relationships with characters in your Hogwarts Legacy game that you're going to start bonding with mm-hmm. and something might happen in the game where they get injured or hurt and you'd be like oh I, I don't want him to get injured or hurt you know maybe I'll maybe I'll, I'll load a save and go back and, and and do it a different way type of thing but there if the game is so so involving and engrossing to you you kind of just want to keep continuing playing and sure I could start the game over and play in a different house and make different choices and different in different things but there's something just something about certain games that you get hooked onto the character that you create and you kind of just want to continue that that character like my division character right now i'm still playing division two is four years old right it's a four-year-old character i'm i'm connected to that character mm-hmm. and there's really mm-hmm. no story involved in that game where i don't have any kind of relationship with that other npcs in the game it's just a shooter it's a shooter looter but i have i have that connection with that character that i've created for four years it'd be cool if i had uh, a story to continue on going with it, but it's just go in there and shoot things. This is a story-based game, and I, I, I really think they they could evolve this type of game, like a Mass Effect, like a Red Dead Redemption, where you can continue the story being a live service and not being that microtransaction where you're charging for spells for $30. You could just charge for DLC, major DLC, and everything else is just extra dungeons or extra people in there where it doesn't make or break if you're in the world, you know? Yeah. Yeah, if you guys are just tuning in, we're about 42 minutes into a show where we're debating Hogwarts Legacy and should it be live service or not. If you're enjoying the broadcast, hit subscribe. You can talk in the chat. We're reading chat and taking your comments as well as the poll at the top. I'm going to give you guys a, a, a count on the poll. We'd love to see more likes on the video as well. My, my, my man Creature's calling y'all out. He's like, where are all the likes? 
Which Hogwarts Legacy content format would you prefer? 365 votes. A ton of votes on the poll. Would love to see that many people smash that like button. Add DLC is winning. We have 47% of you saying just add DLC. All right. Then 35% say live service ongoing. Last place is just do sequels. That's interesting to me that it's basically a competition between you're either going to do live service or DLC, which is funny because that was an ongoing debate in Destiny. Like, should we do seasonal ongoing or should we do DLC, right? And it seems like those are the two kind of competing schools of thought here for Hogwarts Legacy. uh, For Hogwarts Legacy and... my, my wife just can't remember. She's being silly. Stop, babe. I'm in the middle. I'm doing a show. I'm trying to be professional here. And I, why do you think that is, though, Mike? Can you speculate on why? Why, why is your wife be- making fun of you right now? Is that what you're speculating on? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. What was, well, the, what was the question? Why is the split between DLC and seasons? It feels like It feels like the least popular option is to do sequels. Yeah, because no one wants to wait three to five years for the... Because they love the game so much. Like right now, people are super hyped for Jedi Survivor. You play that in 2019, you had to wait 2020, 2021, 2022, 2023. You had to wait four years for that game to come out to to continue enjoying that that storyline, right? This is why people don't want to wait that long. We mm. we're about the now, right? The reason you want you want streaming services because you could watch it now. The reason you watch the binge watch stuff because you could watch it now. It's instantaneous. You want to keep doing it. This is mm. why people like live service games because you're playing the game. And you just want to keep playing more of the game. Like, you're excited about the game. You're like, oh, man, I want to play more of this game. Somebody said it in chat about uh, uh, Story Creep, about MMOs. Uh, Best Girl says, the other thing about live service games, specifically MMOs, is that they suffer from story-based power creep. Mm. I feel like Hogwarts is especially, uh, you know, to this kind of live service problem. And it it would, right? But think think about, like, an MMO. Like, if you're World of Warcraft, Final Fantasy... Hogwarts, and again, this is not what this game is, but Hogwarts is like a perfect setting for it, right? There's different seasons. They have seasons in the game. There's different, like, holidays that they celebrate in the game automatically, like, because it's a school. They're there for the entire year up until summer. So, like, there's there's so much that they can actually do, like, an MMO and, and be really good for a game like this. But obviously, um, you know, it's not that, but it could be. It could be that. So, again... Hogwarts Legacy single-player game. Hogwarts Legacy 2 down the road that you have to wait three to five years for might be Hogwarts Legacy 2 and it's co-op, right? Look at Spider-Man. Yeah. Spider-Man, Spider-Man 2, all right? People are still asking for co-op and whatnot, but now you can play as Miles Morales and you can play as Peter Parker. You can play as both characters, but it's not co-op, right? They're getting closer and closer to that uh, that that area where now you're using two people, but you can't actually play Right, that's that's the evolution of yeah. a type of single player game that you're looking at. I'm I'm gonna be contrarian then. I, I'm gonna take up for sequels right now because Weezy's triggering me a little bit. He's like, I said this weeks ago. Ding ding ding. Listen, listen, listen to me. We we are coming out of a drought of games. Okay, imagine that in the next couple of years that stops happening and we have plenty of games to play. I'm okay waiting then. I'm okay waiting three or four years to play the third Jedi game, like Fallen Order, Jedi Survivor, and then if there's a third game to conclude the trilogy, I'm okay waiting that long because we should have plenty of games to play during that. We should have plenty of games to play waiting for the second Hogwarts Legacy game if there's going to be one, if there's going to be a sequel. We're, I, I, I don't want to look through the lens of 2020 to 2022. That was a two-year rough period of almost no game launches, massive stretches of nothing to play. 
if if that stops happening and we get a consistent rhythm and, and a better uh, rhythm of, of games coming out, it's not so dissonant, then I don't care if I have to wait that long. What's it matter? I'll, I'll play a bunch of other games in the process. Like, really good sequels. Are we really going to be anti-sequel now because we have to wait too long? Because, I, I mean, game dev is bigger and more expensive, and you're talking four or five years, I, I would say five or six for really good dev. Why are we being anti-sequel all of a sudden? I I, I think that that's, there's, there's room for that. Yeah, well, this is why I, I said Borderlands in the very beginning. I like that model of where, is, is it a live service game, but they keep putting DLC out. I just asking for co-op for Hogwarts Legacy, right? The live service model would work for Hogwarts Legacy, but at the same time, I'm just asking for co-op. I think the game longevity of that game, even though it's a single player game, you would get more out of it if it's just one extra person sharing the sharing the world with you. I agree with that. I do because if if you consider the four schools in Hogwarts Legacy, being able to replay each time and be like, okay, this time. I'm not going to be Slytherin. I'm going to go for Gryffindor. And then your buddy chooses something else or your significant right. other chooses something else. That's massive replay value because you could build your character different. You could, because there's almost a sim game built inside of this game if you look at the room of requirement. Yeah, yes, I was just going to bring that up, right? Like you're playing the game, I'm playing the game. All of a sudden I'm like, hey, I found this, I found this animal. You should come, come to my, come to the room and check it out right and you're like oh that's so cool you're like yeah this is what i got i got an automated system going on i'm feeding all my animals and this is how i'm getting like right now i feel like this game is like unless you're a content creator and you're playing on stream and other people can watch you and be like hey look what i have in my room They're like oh where'd you get that animal from you're like well you got to go over here and check it out but if you're playing by yourself you can't show anybody you're like hey mom look what i did They're like yeah that's nice dear that's that's nice, honey. Right? Like they don't they don't care, right? You would like to show somebody that actually has something in common with you. You're like, oh, dude, I was playing last night. I went into this dungeon, and I found this this creature. I found this recipe, and they're like, oh, can you help me do it? Yeah, sure. Let's let's go do it. Right? Type of thing. Like that longevity of of just people playing the same type of game, having something in uh, in in common, goes a goes a long way, man. But it's single player. You're like. Yeah, I beat that. I did that dungeon. That's cool. Uh, I'm just waiting for the next game to come out. You're like, ah, oh, I, I can't beat it still. I'm having problems with this with this one boss. You know? Well, get get good, dude. You know, you know, type, type, type of thing. I remember chat saying, I, I don't think chat's disagreeing about co-op, right? I think it's a crime to not have co-op, says RJ. Uh, other players running around the castle. It's a, is it a castle? It's a school that's in a castle, right? Yeah, I think that's what it is. It's a school that's in a castle. I'm not trying to be pedantic. It's a, it's a castle. It's a I'm scassel. not. A, I'm not a Harry Potter nerd. Uh, it is a castle, right? But that's just where they put the school. In any case, what I'm, is a castle? I'm triggering all of the Harry Potter nerds so much. Like, oh my gosh, this guy. How many rooms does it have to be a castle? <laughs> 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 the the point that I was gonna make was like. When, when you look at the you know that co-op element and you you, you, you think oh I, I want to see people running around I want to see people doing that I, I do think that that is that's a vibe for some games it's it's defining to say oh this is a game where I expect people to be running around and then there's other games where you just don't and I think that's where Hogwarts falls into that lane of people just have that inclination to be like I want people to see what I have I want to be able to show things off like in New World you could do that right you'd, you'd, you'd work on your little house and if somebody joined you you could invite them into your house and then oh they saw all of your, all of your stuff and so I, I, I do see 
it's it's what's interesting to me is the divide in chat people are like give me co-op but don't give me live service there's like an aversion to that it's like right. I, I yeah have people running around right. the school and let me show off myself and let me go play with other people but don't don't, 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 don't don't do live service well let me tell you something those two things are kind of at odds because how else are you going to have people running around how else are you going to have anybody caring about the game in a couple of months if you want to have people to play with or you want to have people roaming around the school to just have that organic emergent gameplay? Well, you kind of need it to be live service. You need it to have an ongoing content model or no one's going to be doing that. So I think people need to be careful that they're not asking for things that are contradictory. You know, the, the, a lot of the platitudes in chat about live service, I just, I don't see that evidenced in the market. I don't think it's demonstrable in the market that there's all these super successful live service games that are just absolutely hurting the game. Like, what was the, what was, oh, I want to find what Chris F said. I think he said something about it, that he was against it for a particular reason. And then others were saying, it's you know, what do they say they say oh for me this is what chris says i'm not anti-sequel he says dlc then a sequel and then he puts a bunch of lines and then live service like he's that much against live service and i i think oh i know what somebody said they said how many games launched successfully as live service they sort of become live service over yeah. time and they master the model why do you think that is mike I, well, I, I think it's sort of, I, I kind of brought it up a little bit earlier. Like, people like a game so much, and all of a sudden they fall in love with that that realm, that world that they're in, right? And they're like, oh, this is such a good game, and they just keep playing that game, right? And then all of a sudden, the developers, let's let's say like Bethesda looked at Skyrim and was like, man, these people are just nonstop playing this game. Maybe we should, maybe we should have done something different, right? Uh, and then they made Elder Scrolls Online type of thing, right? So they they look at what the player base is doing and the player base is constantly putting eight to 10 hours a day inside this realm. And they're like, Hey, maybe we should give them something. Maybe we should put a different mode in. And I'm actually going to bring up something right now. What if obviously there's no PVP mentioned. And and when I say PVP, I don't want it to say like it's a competitive thing, but wouldn't it be pretty cool if, if even if the game is single player, wouldn't it be cool if you could duel in that room like you go into a matchmaking, go in the room, you get on top of that table and you matchmake with somebody else and you start competing with your wands on the table, right? And it's just win-loss record type of thing, right? It, it, it No boosts, no nothing. It's just a competitive, friendly game of playing the PvP aspect of it. Or, I know someone brought up Quinnage. Wouldn't it be cool? Because I said this on Twitter a couple weeks ago. Someone said, what kind of game mode would you like inside Hogwarts Legacy? I had said, what about a Quinnage match like, like uh, Rocket League, right? Like you just make Rocket League, but with brooms, right? And they're, and the, that's it. That's I know it sounds simpler than it is, but like you just make that game mode where you can play Hogwarts. But let's say you're done playing Hogwarts for that day, and you're like, you know what? I'm gonna go play some uh, dueling uh, and see who I can beat. And then, oh, you know what? I want to play a game of Quinnage, and I'm just gonna go play with Quinnage. You match make with four other people, five other people. You're on a team. You start playing Quinnage. Like that could be something down the line where they look at and go, hey, it's a single player game, but we're putting this game mode in for you and they kind of make it into a live service or they kind of make it into something else more to get people to stay more into the game and keep keeping the game because that's what they want right all these companies want you just interacting more with their game because if you're not in their game you're playing another game right that's it we all have the same amount of time in our lives which is 24 hours a day what are you doing with it they want to keep you as much as possible in their game to keep you in- in- engaged so 
they could do something like they did with Ghost of Tsushima Legends. You know what I'm saying? You could take a free add-on. Because when they added Ghost of Tsushima Legends, it was just totally free. They ended up selling it later separate for like 20 bucks. And I, I'm obviously, <laughs> selling a standalone Quidditch game, you would probably make a killing. But as you're saying, they could lace it with some of that live service element, some outfits and costumes. Now that would go against, obviously, them saying there's not going to be any microtransactions. Because somebody in chat just keeps bringing up microtransactions. It's like, they said there's not going to be any. So we're obviously talking about doing live service underneath that banner of, listen, if they want this game to go on going, I'm presuming they wouldn't beat the tar out of the game with micros. I'm not against microtransactions either, but I also think that that fear that a game's just going to have the living hell beat out of it with microtransactions because you go live service, I don't see that. And when I ask for evidence of that in the market, no one can ever give me an answer. What game are you talking about? Does Path of Exile do that? Diablo 3, Elder Scrolls Online, do any of them do that? Does Destiny 2 do that? Do any of these ongoing live service games do that? No? Like, what game are you talking about? Even the Battle Royales don't really do that. Apex and Fortnite and, and Warzone. Right. They're not, th- there are micros, but the, the game's not ruined by the micros. There, there is an optional way to, like, dress your character up and look like Deadpool or something. Like, it's not a thing. Right. I, where does that come from, do you think? Why is there this fear that that's what's going to happen. Oh, if you go live service, man, oh, they're, they're going to dilute the game. They're going to microcharge for everything. You want to go into this room, it's going to be a charge. You want to go into that room, there's going to be a charge. Like, where is this coming from? Oh, Diablo uh, think- Immortal? That's a mobile game. I could point to 18 different mobile games that have terrible practices. That's not an indictment of live service. Right. Right. That one doesn't leave. I, if I get bit by a dog, are all dogs bad? Do you know what I mean? Like, no. But you're more apprehensive to approach a strange dog again because you got bit once, right? I think that might be what's happening with microtransactions, right? Like, people either play the game that they love and all of a sudden they started putting microtransactions in it and then all of a sudden they feel like it's not about the game anymore. It's about what you look like or, um, you know, what what people promote or, or, or whatnot, like Fortnite. If you don't have the latest skin, you, you join into a Fortnite game. Everyone comes pounding around you and starts jumping on you or hitting you with the axe, pickaxe to to show you that you have an old skin, right? You're being shamed without being told that you're being shamed uh, type of thing like that. So it might be something along the lines of that where you got you got burned on a broken, buggy game. So now you think all games are broken, buggy games, right? I'm, I, I, and I'm sort of like that. I talk about games all the time. I'm always a- apprehensive of games that you're coming out, you're like, we'll see. We'll see because the last games, the last four years, you're like, well, that, that was a broken, buggy mess. There's been more AAA games that were had problems than there was that came out smoothly right so it, it's in the back of everyone's mind we'll see it could be broke it could be buggy it it could have microtransactions even when it comes out and it has no microtransactions people are like wait for it buddy right it could it could happen any day now it's the the next update and i don't i, I don't know if you should look at all games like that I, I i don't i think microtransactions again on my channel you'll hear me talk about it i don't buy microtransactions i i said that when the transformers game comes out i'll probably buy my first microtransaction ever yeah. i just don't buy microtransactions that's not who i am but it also doesn't ruin my gaming experience because you purchase something mm-hmm. in the microtransaction store right there's i played hundreds of games with microtransactions i've bought zero dollars of microtransactions right i buy the game i play the game it's a free-to-play game and they have a season pass i'll play the season pass complete it 
and then go, you know what? I enjoyed my time. I'm going to give them $10 type of thing. But yeah. I'm not buying microtransactions. So I, I think it, it comes from the dog bit you, and now all dogs are bad uh, analogy. Well, and, and I'm just going to I'm going to put some people on blast right now. So, I, you know, I got Russell Stewart in chat saying I'm not a fan of live service. It often results in shallow, addictive updates, more about trapping the player than providing an experience. I need examples. I need examples of games that are doing that. I came to this conclusion the other day because a lot of this comes from the audience that hangs out regularly here in my discord and in my live streams. And I said, this isn't about Hogwarts legacy being live service. This isn't about any other game being live service and ongoing, right? This is about you have played a particular game and you see every game through that lens now. And I think that game is destiny. I think a lot of the people that come to these discussions and say all these things, they, they, they're speaking destiny-laden language. They speak about all these things that these games are going to do, and it's like, what games are you talking about? Are you talking about Final Fantasy XIV? Are you talking about the Elder Scrolls Online? What are you talking about? Oh, you're talking about Destiny. You're burned out on Destiny. And I think that's largely where most of this is coming from for a lot of these folks. Because when you ask for a list of games that are doing this, where's the industry standard of live service games that are just creating addictive loops and they're diluting the content and they're microtransactioning the game and the player to heck and back? Where are these games? And you can't get a list from them. But that's the fear and that's the contention. But what? What What are you talking about? I... I don't. I can't think of any games that are doing it. And Diablo Immortal is a terrible example because, again, it's a mobile game. They targeted a mobile audience that is totally willing to do the micro spending out the nose. And there's tons of this in the Asian market, both in China and Japan, and they're way more accepting of it. Lost Ark had a lot more of this in the Korean market, came to the Western market, and they toned a lot of it down because our 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 industry, our culture, doesn't accept it as much. I don't know if the if if Hogwarts Legacy went, it would have a battle pass. I don't think it would be that type of game because, I mean, I guess it could. I mean, any, they could wedge a battle pass into any game they want. I think it would be more DLC. I, I do. I think Hogwarts Legacy would be more DLC driven than battle pass, season pass type of thing, right? Season pass and battle pass are meant for like looters and those those type of games looters and uh, battle royales keep you coming back for the skins and the the, the different things with a single player game i i think it'd be more dlc different dungeons different mounts different things different animals to put in where if i don't have that animal i mean it's a single player game so if you have that animal or don't have that animal in your game it wouldn't be like an advantage or disadvantage over anybody else it's just what i want to put like all right for instance microtransactions in uh, the Skywalker saga, the, the Lego Star Wars Skywalker saga, right? That game's a single-player standalone thing, right? But they sell, like, 108 skins that have no bearing whatsoever on the game, and it's a single-player game. So you can yeah. go out and buy all the microtransactions of those characters. So you could be Mando, or you could be Ahsoka, or you could be whoever you want, and it has no bearing on your single-player experience mm-hmm. except for mm-hmm. just playing that, that, that character. So I see them doing something like that with hogwarts legacy now they say no microtransactions and i and and i get that there's in my eyes it's no microtransactions until down the line they go hey you know what we should add something here because there's a lot of people playing the game and and we're missing out on some opportunities here right because they're a business they're a game company they've got to make money right If, if you can enjoy music for free but 
only to a certain point. Then all of a sudden a commercial plays and you're like, oh, I can't believe they're playing a commercial. Like, well, did you did you buy the subscription model to get no commercials? No. But I hate that there's commercials playing. I mean, well, you have to either buy the subscription model to not get commercials or purchase the song in general and then listen to it as many times as you want. But you can't have your cake and eat it too. You either have to pay something or you have to listen to something that's paying for the bills. Right? And that's the way video games are working now. Video games are either play the game and enjoy it up till you can, and then you have to pay for a microtransaction or you have to pay for it. But you can't complain that there's all these microtransactions. You're not buying them, but they're ruining your game. How are they ruining your game? How is a skin ruining your game? Right? Now, obviously, there's going to be people that throw stuff in the chat that, that say, well, this game sells uh, boosters or they sell... And that's PvP competitive games. Those are those those type of things, sure. But it's a single player game. How does it change your experience with a single player game if they add a microtransaction to the game? It doesn't. It doesn't. Yeah. Well, there's a cut. There's a there's at least two things I want to really interact with in chat because both Bellex and Eugene got on this, and I made sure earlier when I argued in favor of doing the sequel format, and even this you could use this to defend the DLC format of Hogwarts Legacy if that's what they decide to do. I said. The substance and story of the Harry Potter books and movies are going to be more honored and more given, you know, time to invest in if they go with DLC or sequel format. So I agree with what they're saying. You could make that argument that this is supposed to be more story driven, but I do think there's that element of RPG and kind of charting your own story and its open world that sort of pushes up against that. The second thing I want to say is in response to the people talking about battle passes. Number one, somebody saying, well, you can't do live service without a battle pass because Russell Stewart said, any game with a battle pass, you know, I consider live service and I consider it bad. At one level, I don't think you can demonstrate that in the market. There are plenty of games that have done battle passes and have done the battle pass format and they're great and they work and they're fun. It hasn't diluted the content at all. There's also plenty of live service games that don't do a battle pass. I don't think Final Fantasy XIV has a battle pass. I don't think Elder Scrolls Online has a battle pass. I don't think Path of Exile has a battle pass. So you don't have to do a battle pass. Now, I know No Man's Sky does expeditions, and it's not a battle pass. You're, like, working through the chapters and the challenges, and Diablo III does the same thing. So those aren't battle passes. That's actually, like, quests and missions and things for you to go through and do, and you get rewarded along the way. So there's so much exaggeration there that that just, again, it's not demonstrable in the market that all live service games go the battle pass route and all battle passes ruin the games. Like these are such extreme positions that aren't substantiated. You can't substantiate that in the market. There's plenty of games that do battle pass. Well, there's plenty of live service games that don't do battle pass. These things are not this extreme. It's not this black and white. Real quick. Camden says Assassin's Creed sells XP boosters for their games. And I'm I'm assuming you're commenting about this single player game, right? If it's a booster, does it affect you? Like, okay, Lono's playing Assassin's Creed and I'm playing Assassin's Creed. Lono decides to buy the booster. Does it affect me in any way, shape, or form? No. It affects him in his single-player world that he decided that I don't want to grind for five hours. I'm going to buy the booster so I have to. I can do it in an hour and a half, right? That doesn't affect me in any way, shape, or form. It affects him. We all have the same amount of time. If you want to take your time and grind for 10 hours, by all means, go ahead and grind for something for 10 hours, okay? I've done it for guns. And, and didn't get anything for those 10 hours, right, in, in looters. So if if you want to buy a booster for a single-player game, by all means, go ahead. Now, if it's a booster in a 
multiplayer game, that's a different conversation. But we're talking about a single-player game with microtransactions and whatnot. It does no bearance if whatsoever if one person buys it and I don't. He's saying, yes, it does. They design the content around the boost. You can only argue that from conjecture. You don't know that that's true. But if you're enjoying the game, okay, if you're enjoying the game, then you're going to play the game. You're not going to notice, right? You're not going to see, I like to use the analogy, the man behind the curtain of the Wizard of Oz. If you're enjoying a game, you're not going to sit there and go, oh, man, they have me grinding this game, and I, I hate it. No, you're going to put that game down because you're not enjoying yourself. But if you're enjoying the game, you're lost in it. You're lost in it. You're, you're going to play that game over and over and over and over until you're blue in the face because you enjoy that game. If you don't enjoy it, then move on. Yeah, I apologize right now. We're dropping a ton of frames. I'm not sure what's going on with my bitrate. I think I'm going to try and switch to a different... Give me like one second to switch to AT&T. I forgot we were still on Charter. That's probably what's happening. One of the computers or phones in the house is probably updating. Give us like one second, chat conversation as far did they do they hold back certain things that would have been rewards in the game compared to buying it in the microtransaction store sure you could you could argue that but at the, at the exact same time if you're not enjoying the game then don't don't play the game well and i think that's one of the things that i've always come back to i remember when the anthem shop got leaked there was somebody that broke nda and they leaked the anthem shop and everybody started speculating about oh my gosh this is ridiculous like look at the prices da 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 and i remember saying let's talk about two different things number one we're not supposed to see this yet these could just be placeholders and number two the prices of the microtransactions are superfluous if the game's not good and anthem wasn't good like it had good parts, it had a good content loop and good design, but it wasn't a good game. It didn't last. They didn't build it to last. The live service elements were unsuccessful. There was no end game grind, okay? So, in light of that, I think the same thing could be said here. Your issue should never be live service is bad. Don't do live service. It should be, okay, if they nail the game and the content loop, won't you be glad? Let me ask a question. There's a ton of people in this chat right now that still play Destiny. Aren't you glad they didn't do what you're arguing for right now? Aren't you glad? It's been eight years. Actually, no. It's been longer than that. It's It's been almost, it'll be nine years this year. It'll be nine years this year. Aren't you glad that you've had almost a decade of gameplay experiences in a game that had they listened to what you're saying right now, you wouldn't have that game anymore. It would be done. If they would have gone with Joseph Staten's vision and Marty O'Donnell's vision for the game, and they would have gone linear, campy, story-driven, that game would be a distant memory at this point. Like, I know tons of people have walked away from Destiny. I know. That's fine. But so many of the people arguing right now there are so many gaming experiences and games that you wouldn't have right now. We wouldn't have No Man's Sky anymore. We wouldn't. They would have. They would have abandoned it. They would have walked away. Well, we don't want to do live service. Live service is terrible. Right. Diablo three uh. wouldn't have reinvented itself and fixed itself. Like Final Fantasy fourteen wouldn't have been so popular with Endwalker that they had to stop selling it. Like these things wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for live service. Perfect. Perfect example. No Man's Sky. That game has been out for six, going on seven years. Right. 
they've charged absolutely nothing for any of their DLC. They just keep putting the DLC out, right? And everyone, some people will probably be out there, well, we deserve it because they could have stopped at year two. I think all the stuff that they, they, they did updates for, okay, it, they could have stopped at No Man's Sky at year two. But year six, they're still putting content in the game for free. There's no microtransactions. There's nothing. It's just boot it up, update your game, and continue playing. That's the live service. That's a perfect a perfect uh, example of what Hogwarts could be, right? They just keep adding stuff to the game if they wanted to without charging a microtransaction, without charging um, uh, Battle Pass, Season Pass, or all that stuff. Somebody says this. When did it go from Light Lono versus Mike to both versus chat? Well, wouldn't you rather watch a stream that includes you? You're being included right now. Instead of just listening to me and chat, me and me and Mike spar, you know, make your case. Debate. I'm not getting, I'm going against chat. I'm with you, chat. I've changed my position. (laughs) Here's the thing. Somebody said it's okay for games to be one and done. Uh, Doomslayer said that. I am not saying that all games should be live service. That's a misunderstanding of my position. The reason that I invoked Destiny, because I knew I could get some of y'all's hackles raised if I brought up Destiny, because you still play it. The reason I brought up Destiny is, how do you know that a game like Hogwarts couldn't become an amazing ongoing game for five or six or seven years? How do you know? You're shooting it down right now. You're shooting it down before it gets out of the gate. Like, none of us knew the first time we stepped into Destiny that we would continue to play it for years to come. Like, they said that they envisioned it being a game that you played for 10 years. Mark Noseworthy said that in an interview in one of the early, early pressings that they put out. He said that in an interview on a video. But, so that was obviously kind of set. But at the same time, like, there are so many games right now that I'm like, oh, that'd be a great live service game. Ongoing, let me just keep playing it five or six years from now. Oh my gosh, that'd be amazing. Like, we're looking at that Transformers game. We're looking at Hogwarts. We're looking at Diablo 4. We're like, oh, this is going to be amazing. And the Doomsayers, what's what's just so funny to me is how often you're probably booting up a live service game. Like, (laughs) how often you're diving into a live service game while while arguing in here that live service is the devil and it'll, it'll ruin a game. I just, I... I actually think Hogwarts Legacy could go either way. I think it could go sequel, it could go DLC, or it could go live service. I think acting as if one in, one in the group is automatically terrible and awful and just it's going to ruin the game. I think the market it, the market is so strongly demonstrating the opposite right now. Right. Well, I, I think a lot of people use the the live services ruining games thing where Grand Theft Auto Five is the reason there's no Grand Theft Auto 6. Because of the live service model of Grand Theft Auto 5 is the reason it's been, what, 10 years and we still haven't seen Grand Theft Auto 6. The reason there's not an Elder Scrolls 6 is because we have Elder Scrolls Online. Because Elder Scrolls Online is such a good game for the, that people. Because there's so many people playing it, they're like, why do we need to make Skyrim 6 when we have Elder Scrolls Online, right? So there, there's this mentality of there where they won't make the next game because the live service game is is happening right so so many games are in live service mode they won't make the next game because the other game is so popular oh yeah yeah live service can certainly do that i mean we're seeing that you know people are bringing up you know making it's making rockstar lazy right i mean that that, that's been a big complaint about that is come on make the next game make the next game and it's like oh my gosh they're making so much money from gta i you know 
I don't I don't expect them to make GTA 6 anytime soon. I mean, I think I think this year we're finally going to start hearing about it and seeing it, which means we'll probably see it 24 months from now. <laughs> like we're not going to see right. it in the market for a while. Does it you know. does it make them lazy though? I don't think it makes Rockstar lazy. I mean, they're in the business to make money. They made a game, they're making money, and when Grand Theft Auto 6 comes out, everyone's going to forget about Grand Theft Auto 5. Like literally, they're going to forget that it took 10 years they're going to be like, "Oh my god, this game's amazing." You you know you are. You're going to completely forget everything that you were, you were complaining about, about not having Grand Theft Auto 6, and Grand Theft Auto 6 comes out, you would be like, this is the best game ever created. Doomslayer says, I just think some games use the setup of the fact that they're doing live service as an excuse to come out incomplete. What what games have done that? I, I just continue to ask for games. I continue Fallout to ask 76. for examples. Fallout 76 came out incomplete. But was Fallout 76 bad because they tried to do live service, or was Fallout 76 bad because it was rushed to market? Like, what's the real cause of the problem? Yes. I think, <laughs> I, I think, the, I think the answer is on guess to all of those. Right? <laughs> I, I, I think it's rushed to market. I think it's rushed to market. And also, um, it was something that they never did before, and they didn't know what they were doing with the netcode. Um, I, I think there's lots of reasons that Fallout 76 failed. Um, I think Cyberpunk failed when it came out on the other systems because they were just pushing and then they had it in development for so long they had to get it out to make money and at that time they didn't really care because the pre-order sales basically made all their money back right off the bat so <laughs> so I, it's all it's all gold on top of that well i love i i love asking for games because i always know people are going to give me just absolute easy served up spiked volleyballs to just smack back in their face Halo Infinite, you think that Halo Infinite's bad because it tried to be live service. Look at any of the inside information as to what happened with Halo Infinite and you'll see how grossly wrong you are. It, it being live service has nothing to do with its problems. Anthem. Anthem wasn't bad because it was live service. Anthem was bad because it had pre-production problems and they built it in 18 months. That's why Anthem yep. was bad. Outriders is not a live service game, so take that one off the list. The Division. The Division wasn't bad because they tried to do live service. The Division was bad because it had no end game. So again, when you're like, oh, The Division was bad because they did live service, actually The Division's campaign was really good. It was really good. Like, playing through The Division 1 campaign, it was complete, it was fun, leveling up was dope. You got a complete single-player or co-op experience, and then when you went to do the ongoing content, it was bad. Don't you see how backwards that is? You could do the same thing with Anthem. You could play Anthem, play all four of the Javelins, play through the campaign, and have a very, very good experience. But the minute you try to go do the end game, and then that was the complaint, don't you see how illogical what you're saying is? You're actually saying, oh, live service ruins the games, but then the main criticisms of those games is they didn't have any end game for the live service. So the games weren't bad because they tried to do live service they failed at doing live service you're you're mis, you're you're misdiagnosing the autopsy of those games like that's not the cause of death like look well, at any go ahead just say look you can name bad games but look at the games that did well with live service right live service sea of thieves did really well with live service right no man's sky did really good with live service so there's there's both sides here there's there's games that did bad with live service and there's games that did good with live service but people only remember the bad ones right and and again this goes back to my you got bit by a dog where you you look at all live service games now as bad live service games where that's not the problem the problem with anthem that like lona was saying was it was made in 12 to 18 months right the problem with fall 76 it was made in 12 to 18 months it was rushed to market it was rushed to push out and and it didn't know what it was doing because live service games 
in the grand scheme of, of, of video games is still a young like child. They're still trying to figure out what they can or can't do with it and what's what's a good uh, cadence of putting content out, right? A lot of people can't do the content correctly, hence why they fail as a live service because you want the game so badly and yet they don't give you content so you then say, well, the live service is bad, right, because of it. Nova says, too many people are approaching games with inherent bias that was created by a game they've played for five years. The comparison was never justified. And then so, you know, he's saying Avengers then answer that one. See, again, I think you're misdiagnosing. When a game fails to be good at live service, it's not a bad game because of like, like you guys are painting this like, this picture of there was an ideal version of Avengers that got ruined because they tried to do live service, and that is false. They failed to build a good live service game. Let me give you a completely different example. I would argue that Gotham Knights is a really bad third-person superhero game, right? It's bad. I think it fails at the fundamentals of a third-person superhero game okay does that mean that third person superhero games are bad or that oh yeah if you try to make a third person superhero game it's gonna be bad no they set their sights on building a game that's out in the market right now in games like spider-man and batman those games are in existence and they're fantastic they tried to do it and i i fundamentally think they failed but i can't conclude from that that oh it failed because they tried to do a third person superhero game no that's a complete misjudgment of the situation so there are live service games in existence that are great and they do a good job and when somebody sets their sights on live service like anthem and they fail to build a good live service game that is not an indictment of live service games they just failed to make a good one don't you see how you're falling short of an accurate and well-voiced criticism you're just saying oh yeah live service is bad why oh well these games came to market and weren't ready there was no end game but that's not but what that's that you think that's what you're going to get every time a live service game comes out no they just they failed to design a good one just like i think gotham failed to design a good superhero game yeah, Marvel Avengers, I played over 1,100 hours of that game. The, 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 the single-player aspect of that game is, is good. It's a good game. It was the looter aspect that they wedged into the superhero game that they didn't think too clearly of because of the, the progression of loot. And once you're done with the story, leveling up your characters and how to do it, that was a mess, right? And they rushed that game. That game was... Uh, messed up in the behind the scenes and on top of that for marvel's avengers they gutted the team to move on to a different game because fundamentally the game was broke when it came out people were falling through the map all that because the net code was just awful when you play with other people yeah. okay like literally it would fall through the map it would pause it would crash bring you back then you move from the xbox uh one to the xbox series x and it still crashed it, it was it was just a mess all around, and that's not because it's a live service game. That's because the people that made that game saw money was being made from another live service type of game. They're like, oh, this is a single player game. Let's let's try to make this a live service game. And they put that in there. It doesn't make the live service bad. It just makes it a bad game. Right. right. It just makes it a bad game. Not right, because it's a live service game. Because he's saying, why are they rushed? The reason has to do with the hotness of a live service games. No, you're arguing no. from presumption and conjecture. That's a problem in the market. 
What is that why Cyberpunk was so bad? Cyberpunk's not live service. All the games that have come out and have been absolute stinkers has nothing to do with live service. You're arguing from presumption and confirmation bias and, and conjecture. There's no way to know why a game is rushed to market and to be unidimensional about it and be like, oh, it was rushed to market because of live service. No, Anthem was not bad because it was rushed to market because of live service. Anthem was bad because they had terrible leadership and they tried to build the game in 18 months. That's why it was bad. It is If they tried to build Anthem for four or five years as a live service game, it would have crushed. It would have crushed. We'd still be playing it today. But they tried to build it in 18 months. That thing barely got out the door. They built it in Frostbite and had to build all of the flying systems. Like, go read the autopsy on Anthem. And if you think that game failed because it was rushed to market because of live service, you have zero reading comprehension. Because Jason Schreier wrote a miniature book on what happened with Anthem. And it had absolutely nothing to do with live service. George says, if that dog apologizes to me, I'll trust dogs again. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I, I look at all the games coming out and when they're bad, there's a litany of reasons why they're bad. A litany of reasons why they're bad. Like we have data, we have information, we have insiders, we have people talking about what happened and to be like, nope, they rush it to market because it needed to be because because live service is hot right now. It's like what an absolutely reductionist way to argue about something that's so complex, right? Like it's yeah. so complex. These games aren't bad because of live service. They're bad because bad decisions get made, bad leadership, like rushed deadlines. Rushed deadlines in video games have been a problem for decades. This is not a yeah. new problem. If you have millions of dollars invested in a thing. And they're waiting for their investment to kick back. They're like, hey, you've been in development for five years. What's what's happening with your game? You're like, well, um, um, we didn't start working on it until year three. And uh, it's year five now. And we, we kind of made a, a change halfway through. So, uh, all right, you have until Friday to get it out. Okay, Friday it is. All right, we, we, we launched it out there. And then they put it out there, and it's broken buggy. And they're like, oh, we're so sorry. Uh, we have a day one patch. Uh, it's coming out. Like, those are the problems. Not because it's a live service game. It's because... Most of these productions of these games, they're undercutting their own production value of saying that it's supposed to take three to five years. They're like, uh, we'll work out in, in, in a year and a half to two years, and then we'll fix it over the next two and a half years to make it five years total. That, that's what's happening. I mean, it's not because of live service. It's because of greedy companies trying to push out their investment to get their money back and recuperate it. And, and, and again, if they make their money back, why fix it, right? Look, look at Cyberpunk. Right, Cyberpunk was great on PC, terrible on console. They literally made all their money back on production on pre-sales day one, right? So, why did it take a year to fix it? Because they already got your money. They don't need to rush and try to 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 get their money back, right? It's if if they didn't make their money back, it becomes an obligation pass, okay? Where they have to get the stuff out because they're they're obligated to get stuff out to get their money back. Where if they already got their money back, then they just take their sweet time. They're like, yeah, yeah. We hear you. We're listening. We'll fix it. We'll fix it over the next uh, eight to twelve months. Don't worry. We we hear you. Well, and I'll I'll actually let's just do this. Let's act like you've made a compelling argument. I don't think you have the the people in chat that are saying that like oh live service games come out half baked and that's the problem. They're rushed to market. I don't think you've made a compelling argument. But let's pretend that you have. Don't you think your compelling argument? is then really good reason for all these other companies to not do what you're so worried about. Do you think Anthem made a ton of money? Do you think Avengers made a ton of money? 
do you? Like, Mike's referencing Cyberpunk. They made their money back, but they also got sued by their shareholders and lost a ton of value in the stock market and consumer confidence. They did not make out like a bandit on Cyberpunk at all. The companies that have done all the things you're talking about have suffered greatly. So, even if we act and pretend like you've made some super compelling argument, you're actually arguing against your own fear. You shouldn't be that fearful. These are, like, like, these are extremely cautionary these are extreme cautionary tales these are failed dead economic disasters of games like so, so acting like oh, yeah, all these games that's what they're gonna do they're gonna shove it to market real quick they're gonna try to make a ton of money and you're citing games that didn't do that they didn't make a ton of money they failed they are economic disasters right let's pretend I'm the chat's stupid and I'm an intellectual giant I'm not doing that. I'm saying you haven't made a compelling case. But for the sake of argument, let's pretend you've had you have made a compelling case, and even if you do think that that's a super strong argument and you've made a compelling case, it's actually an argument against companies doing this cuz all the all the games you're citing have been financial disasters. Like how much money yeah. did they lose on Avengers? It was bonkers. How much money Avengers yeah, Avengers lost money and the company got sold. Like it got sold off to another uh, another group, right? Yeah, I, they lost so much money on these games. Like Anthem was such a money pit. They they had all these plans to do, you know, the the the, the Anthem 2.0 and to, to to reinvigorate it, and they just shot that thing dead before it yep. started. They're like, nah, don't even do that. <laughs> We've lost too much money. Fallout so, 76 made it made a comeback, right? Fallout 76 made a comeback, but it still has that that lingering of look. A lot of people don't know what Bethesda is coming out with with Starfield. They're holding back because of what happened with Fallout seventy six. Their reputation was destroyed because of the last game they came out with, right? Well, and that's another thing. Yeah, CD Projekt Red never recovered. Yeah, they they still haven't recovered their stock value. The past five years, they've seen they've seen a fifty six percent decline, and they haven't pulled back up from it. Back back before Cyberpunk released. They were up over the twenty dollar mark, and they're now at seven and a half dollars. Like that, that that is, that is a, that's that's decades long of reverberations to recover from. That's so long. That's so long. So I, I don't know. Diablo Mortal and Genshin made more money than any game in twenty twenty two easily. Okay, are are like are we just going to point to very successful mobile games now and gotcha games that has nothing to do with what we're talking about? You think Diablo Immortal and Genshin are are the are the archetypal live service games? And plenty of people play Diablo Immortal and Genshin and don't spend any money. Some of them hang out here. So those those games can those games are enjoyed by people. I don't promote them. I think their practices are bad, but this is this is the problem. We've gotten in these discussions before. And how I demand nuance on like pay to win versus pay to progress. And the reason I think that's so important is because I think we should call out bad practices as opposed to creating dirty words, live service, it's predatory. Like in, instead of doing that, why not say there are bad practices and good practices? Let's call out the bad practices. Let's praise the good practices. Like there are games right now creating, sustaining, maintaining very happy player bases in their live service games. We've listed them time and time again, whether it's No Man's Sky, Elder Scrolls Online, Final Fantasy XIV, Path of Exile, Diablo 3, Destiny 2. There are so many games pulling it off, right? So all of your, all of the games you listed that are so, so bad, 
those those are actually really good arguments in the favor of good live service because look at what happened to bad rush to market market live service they failed and lost tons of money i i don't know i we've this has been a really really fun debate by the way like this we've never really done this like sparring hey mike and i let's do a show and debate chat i i hope you guys are enjoying it even though we're having a, a pretty sharp disagreement i you know i I get it, man. I get people being on guard. You look at a game like Hogwarts, and you're like, please don't ruin Harry Potter for me. Please don't ruin Hogwarts Legacy for me. I get that, but I don't think the risks and the the lazy devs looking for a quick cash grab, I don't think that trope exists. I think games rush to market due to financial constraints, budget constraints, and just contracts, I think that's more indicative of bad games than, well, they chose to do live service, and that's why this happened. For someone that said, that, does Fallout have a... Yeah, Fallout 76, uh, this is from, from the internet, so you have to believe it, but uh, 13.5 million players in 2022, up 2.5 million from year on to year, right? So that game is relevant, right? You might not be playing it, but they have people playing it, and I know it's on Game Pass, and people get the Game Pass for $10. So technically, it's a subscription model if they're only playing Fallout, right? If they're only playing Fallout 76, they basically made it into an MMO where they're getting a, a monthly fee to just play that game. Uh, and then there are microtransactions in that game. So regardless of how that live service game came out, it turned it around, and it's a successful, it's a successful game. Elder Scrolls Online, which is an MMO, was terrible when it came out and it turned it around it's one of the most popular mmos in existence right now that people keep playing right you might not like it but there's a huge huge player base that plays it anyone that supports live service or a part of the problem try to be better not worse your self-righteous hubris doesn't have any effect on the conversation like i'm excited about diablo 4 and i'm gonna play it i'm not a part of the problem like platitudinous empty statements that read like a hallmark card are actually part of the problem you're not having a conversation you're just speaking in platitudinous hubris like almost like self-appointed self-righteousness like well because i don't support live service like i'm a really true gamer and you're a part of the problem no actually no you you're not communicating. You're not having a conversation. You're being judgmental. Like, you can support live service games and and not be a part of some weird problem. Tons of people here play Destiny. Tons of people here play Diablo 3. And that has nothing to do with the discussion at all, whether or not they choose to support those games. Like, this is not some moral or ethical or, like, I have the high ground issue. These are, again, you want to call out good and bad practices, and I think that's totally fine. Like, I called out Diablo Immortal, and I refused to play it. I was going to, I considered playing that game and showing people how to play free-to-play, but I didn't want to encourage people to be in that funnel because I felt what, you know, their monetization practices were bad. But that doesn't mean I'm going to go on some war path and be like, anybody playing Diablo Immortal is part of the problem. Like, that just doesn't say anything. Yeah. If you play if you play this game, you are the problem. Not 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 the industry itself. Just you play this game. You, you like this one game. It's a live service game. You are the problem. Why all games are bad. If you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. That's a false dichotomy. Could it be that Lono, that the best live service games likely can't compare to the best single player games? I think people are against that like myself, just want better odds. But that's subjective to the user, Russell. How many people would say, actually, no, I've had just as much fun in the Elder Scrolls Online as I did in Horizon Forbidden West? Like, that's subjective to the person. That's so absurd, though. Like That's like saying more people don't own God of War 
so God of War is a bad game, right? <laughs> right? Like that 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 stupid thinking of you're the problem because of, of certain things. Like there's more people that don't play a certain game, so that game doesn't exist. That doesn't make any sense because there's tons of people that don't play certain. Every game is. Some people like Dungeons and Dragons. Some people like role-playing games. Some people like uh, top-down games. Some people like strategy games. Because it's not popular to you doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Uh, and there's no player blaze to it, right? It makes money. Each of these games make money, hence why they keep supporting these games. If it's live service, not live service, uh, battle pass, whatever. I know someone's yeah. asked, what's the definition of a live service game? They keep providing content over over a period of time there's no dedicated content like every six weeks you're getting new content it's just they're supporting the game a, a live service game is anything that's not done and 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 continued outright is a little different right because they had an expansion to it and that's not really considered a, a live service but constantly dropping every six months here's new content for you to go into the game here's yeah. new cosmetics you can buy here's new weapons that you can get right that's that's a live service game I wasn't just saying the entire argument was subjective and dismissing the other the other positions. I was dismissing one particular point. Arguing that single player games are better than live service games is totally subjective because there are people who probably don't like single player games and they absolutely love living in Apex Legends or living in Final Fantasy yeah. 14 and maybe they don't really like single player games. That's subjective to the person. You cannot assert that single player games are better than live service there's no way to assert that that's a totally subjective opinion like that's that's what i was pushing back on you are well within your right to have an opinion on what you think is affecting the quality of games which is why in the discussion i kept trying to point to actual data information and feedback from developers as saying these are the things that led to these games being bad. Live service was not the catalyst for these games being bad. That was the debate we were having. We're doing autopsies of dead games, and you're saying, oh yeah, uh, this guy fell down the stairs, that's why he died. And I'm like, well no, actually if you roll him over, he was shot five times in the back and then shoved down the stairs, right? Like, yeah. the, you're you're looking on the surface, I'm looking beneath the surface and saying, no, 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 no. Look at the actual breakdowns of these games and why they did so poorly. It's not as simple as you're making it. That was the big debate we were having. It was actually a good debate. And I wasn't trying to be like super condescending. When I say somebody's not making a, a compelling argument, that's just a nice way of saying like I, you haven't convinced me. Like I hear your argument, I've heard your points. I feel like I could summarize your points really well. I don't find it compelling. There, some of the some games that are great at live service are Grand Theft Auto Five, Fallout seventy six. Regardless of what people think about it, it's it, it's got a really good consistent. Uh, consistency of content coming out no man's sky is a great is a great uh live service game right there's these games that are out there that people don't give enough credit to because they're not interested in the sci-fi they're not interested in post-apocalyptic they're not interested in in whatever dauntless dauntless is another great live service game right and i think it's monetized really well like because it's a free-to-play game and you could do everything in the game and earn everything you want in that game and then they the, they have a battle pass cosmetic and, and and whatnot that you can purchase but everything in that game is i think well monetized and also oh yeah fortnite's a it's another one mantis fortnite is a great live service game apex legends is another great live service game regardless of people go well i'm not paying 40 dollars for that skin or whatever that's besides the point that the content release for these games is is really good and i bet you there's more 
I bet you there's more live service games that are doing well than that you can name of bad live service games, right? A lot of people don't even think of how many live service games there are right now. Well, and the one of the reasons I've kind of become, if you've tuned into this stream and you've enjoyed this debate, I hope you hit subscribe and come back. Smash the like button as well. Let's let's sh- let's set our sights on 300 likes. You had a really great turnout for this stream. We li- I like doing these streams on Friday with Mike. In this format, man, we should try and do this every week. Like, let's just pick something and just beat the tar out of it with the chat. This has been really fun. What we've been debating is, you know, should Hogwarts Legacy be live service? And we sort of went up one level, and now we're just talking live service in general. So if the way that you're you're tuning in, you're like, what's going on? That's kind of what we're doing. And I I do think the reason I've kind of become a live service a live service evangelist is because I'm I'm looking at the the landscape of of games and budgets. And what typically happens to them is it's a massive budget and they pray they make those razor thin margins on the sales so then they can make another one. And I'm looking at that and saying, this can't continue. I'm looking at market analysis and I'm looking at books and I'm looking at people that have looked at this and they've done interviews and and autopsies of games. And I'm saying, this can't continue. If if you want a really big world and a really big open expansive experience – it, it's it's going to more often than not have to be some kind of an ongoing game. You, you're, games like Horizon Forbidden West and, and games of old like Skyrim and Breath of the Wild and Elden Ring, I just got to think those are going to be the exceptions to the rule. I don't think you're going to see a lion's share of games coming out like that because that's just so hard to do, do well, and then to make all your money back. So... I see Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I'm going to keep pointing to that game. I think that game is going to be seen as a hinge in the history of gaming. I really do. I think that that's going to be a hinge. We're going to look back in 10 years and be like, that was the game that inspired a whole wave of live service style games that are ongoing that might have traditionally just been an action adventure game. And this is a common complaint from people is that, well, all these games just dial in the same old, same old. Nobody innovates. Nobody does anything new. They just stay They just stay in what's safe, right? They just do what's safe. Do you want to know why they do that? Because their budgets are massive, and they need to make sure they get their money back. And yep. this might sound weird, but I think live service could start to empower developers and companies to be a little bit more innovative and a little bit more creative because, look, this, this business model is a little bit more solvent. It's a little bit more safe, so we can take creative risks. You can't take creative risks when we need to sell a billion copies. Like, I'm making up a number, obviously. We need to sell so many copies in the first month, or we're going to bust. Well, that's why you get a bunch of just rehashes, remakes, formulaic, I've played this game before video games. Well, this is is where Game Pass comes in, and, and PlayStation Plus now, right? Where... Game Pass and, and Microsoft is paying up front for developers. Like, So they're like, how many games do you think you're going to sell? And they're like, I think we're around 2 million. They're like, okay. And they give them the money, whatever that is, and they changes all the time between uh, developers. But they now have an audience. I was talking about this last night. Starfield and Redfall, when they come out on Game Pass, have the exact same potential of 30 million people, whatever the number is for Game Pass, at the top. So as it comes out, 30 million people can potentially play their game. And then obviously based on if you're a fan of shooters or if you're a fan of space, it, it, it starts to go down from 30s to max because that's everyone that has Game Pass. And then it starts to work its way down. If they came out by themselves with that game, they would probably get 
500,000, a million, two million copies sold. You, you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So with, with games like live service, they work really well for Game Pass because they put them out there. And if people like it, they're going to, a small group could like it. A large group could like it. They can adjust and see how many people are liking it. And Game Pass is literally making it 30 million people a month is 300 million, you know, $300 million, okay, every single month. That's a budget of a size game of Grand Theft Auto every month that they're making money on for Game Pass, right? So the studios that are under these these studios, like Bungie's now under Sony and, you know, uh, uh, Playground Games is making Fable and, and, and Halo and all, they're making all this money to, of these games that would take three to five year budget type, and they're making it every single month of the year. They're making $3 billion for the year to throw into game development, to throw into these companies Right, and that's why Game Pass is actually good for these developers because they're not sweating bullets. Going, man, we got to make this game, and it's got to sell 10 million copies. No, right off the bat, they know 30 million people could potentially play their game, and then they adjust from there. Yeah, yeah. And somebody said, Doom Slayer says, so you're saying all games will turn into live service in time? No, I think no. certain games will though because it'll be more, it'll be a safer economic choice for their budget and their subsidization and do I want that to happen no I actually don't want that to happen here's here's the beauty of more live service games or some games leaning into live service because somebody said well Ragnarok sold like crazy you know single player games aren't going anywhere and then also uh, Stuart Russell Stewart's bringing up indie titles these are all great threads that play right into what I'm talking about because you're seeing the rise of indie titles. You're seeing games like Tunic and Cult of the Lamb and Death's Door just crush it. These guys are coming in there just crushing it. Small teams. Hades, right? Somebody put it in such a good perspective today. They said they're taking that classic era of gaming and they're modernizing it and they're doing, they're, they're succeeding because of that. Like there's a reason that the average age of gamers is like 25 and up and that's why indie titles are being so successful because we're all like, this reminds me of that era of gaming, but it's been modernized. Like I'm not playing some old clunky platformer on a Nintendo. I'm playing this really smooth, fluid platformer or dungeon crawler like Hades or, you know, Hollow Knight. And so I think live service starts to make room for you don't want everybody trying to be some big AAA single player award winning game. You want those games to have their shining moments and then that's that. And then you want I, you, you got room for indie titles to come in and do that. Just nail bringing back that classic era of gaming but in a modern setting so it feels good. Like I couldn't play Diablo 2 Resurrected. They didn't modernize any of the UI or the interfaces so it had all those old rough edges and I just I couldn't get over it. I couldn't play it. I think live service is one thread on the canvas. I want that thread to be good, solid, and successful, just like all the other threads. Like, when I say, oh, I'm a live service evangelist, it's like, I'm sitting here saying, this is coming. This is coming. This is going to be a standard. There's going to be more of these games. Let's be on guard for good and bad practices, as opposed to the let's throw the baby out with the bathwater mentality that I so often see, that, like, live service is the devil, and, like, get it out of here. Right. Yeah, like I said in the very beginning, when when I was supposed to take the side of not live service, I actually grew into live service, right? I I like live service because 
certain games, man, certain IPs that you, especially, you, you were having a conversation earlier about the, the age bracket of the average gamer. Well, the average gamer now is, you know, mid-30s, 40s, or whatever, right? And there's certain IPs that just gel with you, man. Like, if you if you like a game, Star Wars, right? And uh, I, I said this in the past, uh, Destiny. I said that Destiny was the exact same game, but it was Star Wars instead of just generic Destiny or Transformers or a Marvel game. To me, that would be more appealing to me because of the IP and what I know. And then I would love to stay in that world even longer, right? Like, I put 3,000 hours, I think, into Destiny 1. I put a third of that into Destiny 2 because I just lost the love of the game. But if if Destiny was a Star Wars game, like the massive game coming out uh, with a Star Wars open world thing, I'm, I'm looking at that like this is Hogwarts Legacy. I'm like, that's my Hogwarts Legacy. When Star Wars comes out for massive... I love what Division is, and I, 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 I would love to see their vision of what Star Wars is to them, right? Mm -hmm. I'm hoping that the people that love Hogwarts, I get with Star Wars because that's my IP. Right? Yeah. That, that's the game I've been waiting for my entire life because I'm like, there's been good Star Wars games, don't get me wrong. I love the old school TIE Fighter. I love the old school Battlefront. I love little bits and pieces of other games. I love Jedi Fallen Order. But if you give me an open world Star Wars game where I can go around and just, you know, love, like, I want that game to be as I want that game to be a live service game. I want to stay in that game and I'm going to do nothing but play the inside that world. And I think that's the difference between live service and a game that you just want to play. Like if you want to play a single player game, a live service game, you could still put down, you can play the story, play the game and then put it down and never play it again because you don't like that. The extra stories that come in after, but yeah. the beauty part about a live service game is that if you like that game, you can continuously just be in that world and continuously mm -hmm. play in that world. It doesn't, it doesn't hurt per se that because there's a live service game out there that it's going to be a bad game because they're never going to make another game or you're tired of playing it, right? Like, yes, that could happen. You could get old. If you ate pizza every day, you would get tired of eating pizza after a certain period of time. But if you love that game, if you love pizza, if you love that IP and you want to dive more into it, you can now. You don't have to go buy 10 games to go, I, I need that that Star Wars kick, man. I just love getting Star Wars games. You just yeah. dive into that MMO or dive into that open world game and you just love it. And that's what live service. I think I've come around to it where I want to live in that world. I want to live my fantasy in that world. Yeah. I, I want to respond to what Doomslayer said. He said, you said single player games are risky and the model is not sustainable. I was I wasn't necessarily saying single player. I, I was, I was zeroing in on that, but my point was really big budget titles that end like just like a one-off title. Like even like the big far cry games, you can play co-op. They're not just single player. And he says, this will lead to more percentage of live service games. He said, I agree that is going to happen, but I disagree that it's a good thing. I've not necessarily said it's a good or a bad thing. I've said, this is coming, and it's probably going to be better or good because it's not automatically good. But in my right. mind, it's better than having rushed to market games because of the budgets themselves. Or games that just keep dialing in what's safe because they have to make the money back do you, do, don't you see like some of those gaming development tropes can fall away this 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 idea of like well yep just another this game just another that game well yeah they, they want to sell as many copies as they as they can because of the budget and the size and the project but like they could start to get more creative i think a good example is what they're doing with the assassin's creed franchise look at what you're getting on the horizon with assassin's creed now we don't know if these games are going to be good or not 
but you got AC Mirage, which when we're done with this show, I'm going to send you guys to a video about what they're doing with that game. That's kind of surprising, but that's a return to roots of Assassin's Creed. Then you have a game where they're finally going to let you be ninjas. Then you have Assassin's Creed Hexe, which is apparently going to be like a spooky, like dark macabre, uh, an Assassin's Creed we've never played before. And then Assassin's Creed on mobile. That creativity, some of that divergence... I don't know if you get there if they don't take a live service format, an ongoing format, to get that funding and to get that money. That enables them to be a little bit more creative with the IP. Like, I'm not guaranteeing that will happen, but it certainly, in my mind, frees them up from being like, gotta keep doing the same old, same old, man. We need to sell a, 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 a couple million copies of this game or we're done. Right. Yeah. The, the Assassin's Creed stuff. I mean, they just had Ubisoft, uh, Ubisoft, Ubisoft just said that, you know, they're, they're investing more in the massive IPs and, and, you know, shared world type of games. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what they're doing. So they, they see that, that people want to live in those worlds. They want to see, you know, the avatars coming out. We don't know what type of game that fully is yet, but the avatar uh, frontier Pandora is coming out. They're doing the star Wars, massive open world game. They're, they're continuously, uh, expanding uh, division now with uh, Heartlands resurgence and different things. They're, they're exploring in that universe. They're they're doing Assassin's Creed like what three three games four games mm-hmm. total in that universe. So you can see why they're dropping certain games that we didn't even know about compared to the games that are making the money. Man, each each of the Assassin's Creed games make anywhere between nine and I think like twenty million you know copies sold or whoever players uh, involved in the game. Yeah, yeah, and. And again, that's theoretical, right? That's theoretical, but so is the theory, and it's also theoretical to act like live service is going to be terrible and ruin all these games. Like, I think both are are in the theater of theory. We're theorizing here. And I do think if you look at the market and the way things were going, the, the format that was happening, it just, it wasn't healthy. It wasn't good. It was massive budgets, a huge focus on pre-order culture, which we all hate, getting everybody's money in advance, which we all hate because we need to make our money back or we're done. Because in, in three weeks, no one gives a crap about our game. No one's talking about our game. We're done. Right. We're old news. And I just think that format can, for some games, not all, for some games, that format can die away. And be like, no, we can stay in the press. We can be ongoing. We can have blogs, updates. We can keep making money. We can keep this thing afloat. And that's more, that's just more freeing, I think, for developers to do good work instead of cutting the corners and shoving out a minimum viable product. And because, you know, a lot of people were talking about, you know, Hogwarts Legacy, and they were touching on what I call the gamification of games. Like, it's so gamified that it doesn't feel like a journey or an experience. You can sense all of the video gaminess. You know, there's a battle pass and there's a this and there's a that. You get into those games where like the UI is just like too much, right? Right. And I and I get that. And I think that is a concern with live service is that everything gets kind of gamified instead of being like really cool, awesome experiences. I recently reacted to a bunch of Dark Souls style games that are coming in Unreal 5. And they all look just phenomenal. And the thing that I realized is like, I don't think any of them had a heads up display. They were just showing raw gameplay. And I do think that is an element of this is that live service games can start to feel gamified. You sense the systems, you sense the structure and it short circuits your ability to enjoy the game. You just kind of see it for what it is. And I think that just comes from, you've been kind of jaded. You've, you've, 
you know you played maybe a lot of destiny <laughs> and i i think that's i think it's created some of the some of the hesitancy and some of the negativity sure. around live service games real quick to to kind of change it back to hogwarts legacy right the the story that came out a couple days ago was that hogwarts legacy pre-sales it's number one right now on on the steam charts right and my question to you, Lord, because I, I talked about this on my podcast, and I want I want to get your opinion on it. Do you think that Hogwarts Legacy pre-sales, just pre-sales now, can surpass? Right. So there's Grand Theft Auto Five had seven million copies pre-sale. Okay. Cyberpunk had eight million pre-sales, and um, uh, what's it called? Uh, back in 2011, Call of Duty, I think three got 8.5 million uh, pre-sales. Right. And then PUBG's got 30 million pre-sales, but that that was at a lower price. And it, anyway, do you think that Hogwarts Legacy, because of the fan base, the the fandom of the Harry Potter fans, and because it's on seven platforms now, I do know three of the platforms are delayed because they're coming out just later. So, do you think on the PlayStation Five, the place uh, PlayStation Five, Xbox XS, and PC, do you think that Hogwarts could surpass Cyberpunk, Grand Theft Auto? Call of Duty, maybe not PUBG, but do you think it'll sell 9 million, 8.5, 9 million pre-sales before day one comes out? That's hard because that kind of a number prediction is tough because numbers and and market trends are usually somebody analyzes them and like spits out a prediction. So I don't, I don't, I can't do that right now, but I do think it'll be one of the contenders for top top pre-order game and and top sold game this year because it's 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 harry potter and it's literally on every platform now i think one of the things that's going to stand in its way of being commercially successful at a high level is the release date is bizarre the hogwarts legacy release date is super weird now you have three release dates right you have current gen release date which is the ps5 series x and s then you have old gen release date which is yeah and then which is two months later and then you have the switch in the summer now my concern there my concern is they just released the pc minimum requirements and i'm looking at those minimum requirements and i'm going oh boy my hunch might end up being correct i was worried that this game was going to run like dog water on the old systems and they were going for the cash grab of like it's harry potter a billion people are going to try to buy this game let's have it everywhere and that's the concern is it's going to run super bad on old gen and arguably even worse on the switch. Now, they'll probably run it through the cloud on the switch, which I don't know what that feels like. People that play on the cloud would have to tell us because there's a lot of cloud games on the switch now. Right. So my worry is they did that to avoid the bad press. They don't want that cyberpunk oh, yeah. press. Oh, absolutely. I agree 100% with that. Right. That's why they put it two months back because people that, that get it, they're going to get super hyped. Let's just say it's a perfect game when it comes out. And mm-hmm. A couple problems here and there, but let's say it's just a, a good game. It's going to get really good press. It's going to get really good sales. And then the people that have their PlayStation 4 and Xbox One version are going to be even more stoked to can't wait to get it type of thing. And then when it comes out for PlayStation 4, Xbox One, people are going to get really, really depressed because I don't think it's going to run very well. And I think that is a cash grab. And I think that's why they're separating the two. But I, I do think it is going to sell. I think it's going to sell... And I'm basing it off the fandom, the fandom of Harry Potter, everything that Harry Potter's ever done between the movies, the books, the park that opened up here in, in, in Universal Studios when they opened up. I mean, it's insane, the amount of people. It's it's still one of the best-selling books every year since it came out. So it's been 20 years type of thing, right? So I think this game is uh, is going to be that that Harry Potter fandom, regardless if 
if you're not a Harry Potter fan, you're a gamer, you look at this game and go, that looks like a really good game, right? Just like, because I'm not a Harry Potter fan, but the game looks like in Skyrim. It looks like a Red Dead Redemption type of thing, and I'm interested in getting it just for that as a gamer. Yeah. Now the Harry Potter fans, people just want to play the game so they can get walk around the world, right, mm -hmm. to be inside Hogwarts. I think it. I think it's going to sell anywhere between 12 and 15 million pre-sales is what I think is going to happen. Man. Doomslayer is saying what I think a lot of people are probably going to be frustrated by. They're like, it doesn't even look like a game that's that graphically demanding. What's the big deal? I think it's size and scope is what it is. If you watch any of the gameplay, they're moving through the school and the rooms and the doors and outside. The size and scope of this game is big, and I think that's going to be the challenge. They're, the minimum required specs is asking for 16 gig uh, worth of memory, which could pose a problem for the Series S. I know everybody hates when I bring up the Series S. They think I'm like anti-Series S. I'm like, no, it just graphically performs like a, a piece of trash comparatively to the Series X. And right. I think it's going to continue to be a problem. You can't keep saying the devs are lazy. It, it, you have to start to look no. at the actual console itself. And if the minimum required RAM for this thing, memory-wise, is 16 gig, that well, that's twice as much as the Series S has. So they're going to really have to trim things down for the S. And then what are you going to do with the PS4 and the Xbox One? Now, the Xbox One X actually has more memory than the Series S, which is its own weird thing because that's an old console. Um, and then you look at the Switch and it's like, oh, my word. What? How much did they have to turn off and turn down to get this thing to run on those old systems? I really do think we're looking at a potential cyberpunk situation where the headlines will be, why did this game launch on old gen? It just looks awful and runs awful, you know? But it also might be the exact same thing with Cyberpunk, where they already made all their money on day one, so... <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, that's... I, I personally think they should drop it. They, they should just drop it. That Like Gotham, I think a lot of people give crap to Gotham, but I'm glad they actually... They, they abandoned it too late in the game. They they knew the game was coming out, and they, they were still leading people on that in, in May they said they're delaying it, or they're, they're getting rid of it, right? And... If they just came out a new gen and they concentrated it in the very beginning, I think it could have came out. It would have had a higher frame rate. It would have. It wouldn't have got the crap that it got because it is a decent game, but the frame rate was a huge, huge uh, problem with that. Um, so I think I think Hogwarts I think is going to have the same problem as Cyberpunk. I think it's going to it's going to smash it for the new systems, and then for the old systems, it's it's going to be so bad. It's going to it's going to run so bad on the old systems. Think about how how much fuel that'll add to the fires of frustration because people are going to see it played. They're going to see the reviews and go, I yeah. can't wait to get this and play this. I'm going to pre-order. And yep. then it's like, yeah, but you're not really going to play the version that you've seen. Like, I hope people know that. So I think those people are going to be really upset. If they're like, well, man, I saw those reviews and I saw that game plan. I was like, I can't wait. I'm going to get that. You know, and I, I think people will understandably be like, I'll get a lower performance, but it's not going to be that bad, is it? And it's like, I don't know, man. <laughs> those systems are at this point, no hate. If you haven't been able to upgrade, I'm not hating on you, but those systems are fossils at this point. They are old. They're very old pieces of equipment. So that's a big concern that I have for this franchise. And we've done a lot of debating about should a game go live service? Should it not? Can that dilute the format? And a lot of people have felt that there was a huge format shift. We even talked about it a little bit ago with Assassin's Creed. 
I got a great video to send you guys to about AC Mirage, and I learned something that they're doing with that game that's brand new information. So I'm going to let Mike tell you where to find him, how you can support him and his content, and then I'm going to send you to the Assassin's Creed Mirage video. And then don't forget, members, this is the first day we didn't hit that 25-member goal. We fell nine short, so we broke our streak today. But tonight, my wife and I are kicking off that horror weekend thing so make sure you're here tonight for that make sure you're plugged into the discord so you don't miss that so mike where can they find you and uh what kind of content can they find when they get there uh well, you can find me on 30 nsg i'll hear i'll say hi in the chat so people can see my name so it's 30 nsg and uh the kind of content i make monday through thursday um i, I do this on fridays with lono and on monday through thursday in the mornings i do a uh a daily show called the daily grind it goes over news stories and topics like lono does but I have a different perspective and, and, and whatnot, so it's just like that. Uh, on th- Wednesday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday nights, I do Let's Plays uh, for, for video games. And then Thursday night, we do a podcast called Generation X Gaming, which is a weekly podcast that goes over a few of the top stories, and we rant along the way with my brother. Uh, and then on top of that, I do uploads for, for video games as well. So uh, if you like if you like Lono's type of content, we do similar type of content over on our channel as well. So uh, check it out. Yes, and if you like this style of like Mike and I going back and forth, and if evening slots work for you, I don't stream Thursday evening, so check out Mike, 30NSG, Generation X Gaming, the, the podcast he does with his brother. It's a great podcast. I've been on there many times, and Alex just ensured that we hit our daily goal. We were nine short. He just gifted 10. So if you are in chat right now and you just got gifted a membership, I love seeing longtime people like Russell Stewart get one I hope I see you guys tonight Friday nights if again if that evening slot works for you we'll be kicking off tonight with Until Dawn we're going to do a double header tomorrow night as well we'll be playing that game you guys unlock that so I'm going to end the poll and then I'm going to give you guys a link in chat if you prefer to head to the next video on your own as opposed to writing redirect you can click the link in chat do me a favor the Assassin's Creed video is not very long it's only about 11 minutes long it's a great video about some things they're doing with that game that, again, it's news to me. If you're a big Assassin's Creed fan and you feel they've really hurt that game, uh, it says that the premiere is going to happen in like three hours. I'm going to push the video live as soon as you guys all get over there. I'll also redirect you. So thank you for hanging out today. I hope I see a bunch of you tonight and tomorrow night. If I don't, have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. And be sure to check out 30NSG on YouTube. Support his content and his shows. We'll see you over there in that Assassin's Creed video. Later, guys.